I didn't have any squash. Can you believe that? No squash. No. No diluted. We don't call it squash. (laughs) Peasant. Peasant peasant liquid. Peasant liquid. (laughs) It's absolutely... It's quite nice, actually. Maybe, but I'm not. I, I would normally have squash. I've not converted. Just want to put it out there. I'm not converted. I normally would have squash. Not but... converted to water. What do you mean? I I never have water. Never. You never have water. Well, yes, but with squash in. Well, yeah, you've so, got me there. To be fair, yeah, but I don't. Squash is a constituent part. What is this? It actually. Yeah, you know what? Let's just start the episode. I'm not getting into that. But does it look? <laughs> water looks cool. That's what I was gonna say. That's not <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> oh my god, you oh killed me. Goodness. Oh, can we not? Okay. You can't start um, saying things like that when we start recording. Like, you can't just can drop a. Can you stop making such a fuss about the fact that I've never seen water without squash in it before? Yeah. We've been talking <laughs> for an hour and you drop the I'm fascinated by water, like, as we press record. 30 years old, look at a bottle of water like you've never seen such a thing before. Guys, just, check this out. It just looks so pretty. <laughs> uh, this is okay. actually so pure and nice. I, I don't want to take this away from you. Yes, it does. I wish I could also see the beauty in the mundane, Rachel, and I'm jealous. This is what my reaction is. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Indie Venture, a very special podcast all about the wonderful world of indie games. As always, I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Rebecca Jones. Hello. And Liam Richardson. It's nice to meet you. Have, thank you for having me on. And it's, and me. I, I'm, I'm really happy to be here too. Hey. Yes. So this episode is, uh, we're going to be introducing the Indie Venture Vaults, something that we had in Redacted Podcast that we're now bringing back for this podcast because it was a really good idea and we just don't want to let it go. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> the Vault, capital T, capital V is a magical place. Imagine a huge golden vault door, like massive with the big handles that you turn. That's what we're talking about. And inside, only the most prestigious indie games lie. Uh, Those chosen by us three, obviously, (laughs) not just like some random vault we found. We (laughs) made the vault and we (laughs) decide what goes in it. So from Redacted Podcast, we already have six indie games in there that we've chosen. So this episode will be briefly going over those six. So to each person, and then we'll be adding in one more. So that's a total of nine. Wow. The, the vault will be like an ongoing uh, indie venture feature that we'll be like, we'll keep returning to, whether that's during like, for like genre episodes or just when we play a really stonking good indie. And then we just like chuck it in the vault, in which I mean we very carefully place it on an imaginary shelf or in Liam's well, mud pit. Yeah, Thank well. You. <laughs> <laughs> or in, in Liam's mud pit, which, um, yes, Liam has a mud pit. <laughs> he is, oh, I mean, well. that'll surprise no one listening. He is how I imagine the vault looks. But when you look at it, mm-hmm. you know, like you say, a beautiful, beautiful gold door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the top, it has the words indie. And then there's a bit of cardboard that has venture written on it. And you can sort of see an S and a Y behind the cardboard. The console scratched vault. out here. Scratched out. <laughs> the legality of who owns this feature let's not think about it and then we go inside the vault and yes we have these beautiful shelves where we put the games on to immortalize them and then i have a small pit where we throw them in like frisbees and i wallow in it like Mm -hmm. like a hippo as i submerge myself in the finest indie games the world has to offer yeah my indie games are over here on a lovely glass case shelf right and then you're in the pit each to their own we never 
Rebecca, we never established if you had a corner of this vault. Uh, now that we're, we're yes. back in it for the <laughs> oh, first time goodness. in a, nearly a year, just to put you on the spot. <laughs> I think it would be very on brand for me if what I had was a, a tall sort of ladder-like shelf, kind of like the one, this is going to be meaningless on audio, but you two get to see it, the one behind me. And because of the, yep. who I am Ooh, as a person, yeah. I have way too many collectibles of a single character or notion from each of the games that I submit to the vault. Oh, I like that. So yes. you have a, like a merchandise shelf in yeah. the vault. Yeah, yeah. I guess like because like most of the games, most of the indie games that I like, I own digitally, right? So I don't have like a copy that I can put in. But if I really like uh, something, odds yeah. are I'm going to have a plushie or a statuette or like I showed Rachel earlier, way too many keyrings and small, <laughs> small like blind box figurines. Um, so I'm sure that's how I think I would like to put my contributions. You to know what? To this. That is really handy because when Fangamer do sponsor us, I right? Mean, yeah. It's going to be please. Yeah. I didn't even do that on purpose, but you make a really good point, <laughs> right? Can I just say as well? I like the uh, the woman who owns a copy of Desperate Housewives, the game, physically, saying she doesn't own any games physically. I mean, I've generally not got the option much these days. I would own all of my media physically if I could, but increasingly, yeah. it's it's True. sort of dif- difficult to get hold of and difficult to justify as well because you bought something digitally you know when it released and then you know often with indie games the physical release comes later but i already own it and Mm. that's a whole other thing anyway but yeah i don't own many physical games anymore also because like as a games journalist most code comes as code i mean i started this job in 2019 and i've never received a physical copy of a game that was that was well out of the window by the time i i was on the scene did you have you have either of you ever received a physical review copy before nope Maybe. <laughs> of, of a game I may not have reviewed. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's fine. It was a couple of years ago and I didn't want to pay however much for Kingdom Hearts 3. So someone very kindly Aww. gave me a oh, review nice. copy. And uh, I, was, I was very grateful. But um, good thing as well, because it was utter garbage. So... Um, <laughs> So with the vaults, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I have a question to pose then. So all our favourite oh, okay. um, picks, indie picks are in there. Since yeah. our game of the year 2023 was Dredge, do we put Dredge in the vault? Do we have a section for our go- game of the year? Oh, like, I feel like that, that oh. makes a lot of sense. It's like its own Or, or not. Dredge, we don't need to give it to Dredge. Dredge doesn't I need a place. like... Just saying. It belongs in the vault, but it belongs in like, there needs to be a sort of game of the year section of the vault, right? Because that's a little bit more, you know, that's a whole different like set of rules and ideas that have have led us to a game of the year. So maybe it needs like a trophy. I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, what would the trophy be shaped like? It would be shaped like the tugboat, I guess, from Dredge. And then it's got a little plaque on it. It says game of the year 2023. Yes, I like that. that. Not an eldritch horror, not like a fucked up eel trophy. Well, I mean, how much detail are we going into? Because it could be like the whole thing. It could be the tugboat kind of on some tentacles, like being raised out of the water (gasps) by some tentacles. Yes, so instead of like a wave, it's like tentacles. That's great. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) And then we have the uh, (laughs) Indie Venture, (laughs) lovely Indie Venture sticker logo that Liam made. Yeah, that we slapped on all our choices. <laughs> that can be there. And then underneath, 
for many years, 10, 20, 30 years as podcast goes on. A hundred years. Slowly, it will, a hundred years, it will fill with, with indie games of each year. And we'll, we'll flicker, go back through them and be like, oh, remember Dredge? That was our first one. Good, good times. I quite like the thought of doing this podcast when we're 60. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's a time capsule. I've said this before. It's going to be like a time, a time capsule. Yeah, I like, like that. Us. I like that a lot. So yeah, we have the mud pit, which is really low. Yeah. Then we have my cabinet, which is the most, it's like the most ostentatious thing ever. <laughs> There's like gold, the, the canned gold leaf and like, oh, oh just like the most pre- like pretentious fucking thing ever. And then Rebecca's so up above the, the layers is working out. Yeah. Full of Fantastic. merchandise. Nice. Fangamer, well, please. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> Dredge, to the vault. Yes. Hello. Yeah, we're clapping. Yep. Yay. Well done, Dredge. Absolutely Woo. great. <laughs> right. So are we starting off with our new entries then? And who wants to go first? I can I can go first then. The game I'd like to submit to the Indie Venture Vault is none other than Stardew Valley. So yeah, Stardew Valley, I think at this point, this is a game most people will be aware of, will have heard of, will probably have played. Uh, This is by Eric Barone, most commonly known as Concerned Ape. It's a farming life sim that came out in 2016. Eight years ago. That's kind of wild. Oh no, <laughs> that's no. Oh my god, yeah. a husk of a human noise just came I know, out right? Me. Like uh. I vividly remember this coming out as well. That's it does not feel <laughs> that long ago. No. So for those who aren't aware or need a refresher, Stardew Valley, you play as a young person who becomes jaded by the rush of everyday life and decides to move to their grandfather's old farm in Pelican Town, which is a small community located within Stardew Valley. Now, in Stardew Valley, you spend your time doing uh, mainly, I would say, four distinct activities. Do correct me if I've missed anything out here. You farm, so you plant crops, you harvest them, you make sure they're all watered and will grow before a season ends. Each season has its own distinct seeds that you can cultivate and grow. You can forage in the local woods and tend to your livestock, you know, keep them happy so they produce things like milk and eggs. The other activity you could do is socialise. The game is a life sim, like I mentioned before. Each of the villagers that live in Pelican Town, the weird and wonderful residents, they all have their own routines. They do different things on different days. And you can go into town, you can form relationships with them, you can attend festivals, and potentially, if you'd like to, find someone to marry and maybe have some kids with. Mm-hmm. You can mine. The game has a full mining system where you can fight monsters and gather minerals and in this huge multi-level mine that gets harder and harder and has different secrets in the further you go down. And there's multiple mines in, which is something I didn't realise until this playthrough. Really? (laughs) That I'm doing at the moment, yeah. And you can fish. You can pull fish out of numerous areas within Pelican Town, rivers, the ocean, lakes, uh, via a minigame that, despite my co-host's insistence, is actually good. 
No. Uh, oh, we're we're going to have don't have to, to get that. We don't want to. It's going to kick off. It's going to kick off. <laughs> so most people will, um, you'll try and balance your time between each of these activities. Each in-game day lasts apparently 14 real-world minutes. I didn't realise that until really? I did some research. Oh, okay, cool. And you have a limited amount of energy. Most of your actions uh, expel energy, so you can only do a certain amount of things. And there's just so much to do. And I think that's why Stardew has... Uh, its popularity has has been maintained over the last eight years, or persisted rather, is because although this is a very relaxing game, there's this slight abrasiveness that makes it really compelling. So some items are limited to seasons, shops don't open every day, each villager has their own individual routine, like I say, so finding them without the aid of a wiki can be quite challenging. <laughs> and I just think this slight, this slight abrasiveness really adds to this, this feeling of I'll just, I'll just play one more day. And before you know it, you've been playing it for three hours, right? Like mm-hmm. there's oh, always something yeah. to do. Oh, I might go down the mines today. I need to to harvest some crops. Oh, it's the person I'm trying to romance his birthday. So I want to go give them an item that they really like. And and it just, I, I think it, it'd be easy to compare this game to something like Animal Crossing. But I think Animal Crossing compared to Stardew is a much smoother experience. It's probably why I like Stardew a bit more. So I absolutely love this game. This is why I'm submitting it to the vault. And when this came out, I cannot tell you how excited i was that this thing existed so this is a spiritual successor to harvest moon also known as story of seasons now i won't go into why it has two names harvest moon is still a series but it's not the harvest moon from before we can talk about that story of seasons is harvest moon and harvest moon is it's kind of new thing now yeah it's kind of like a like a it's wearing the skin of harvest moon uh it's a lesser version um so i absolutely i loved harvest moon I adored Harvest Moon on the PlayStation 1. I played like hundreds of hours out of on the GameCube. And this has the same distinct energy that Harvest Moon established. It has the same rural tropes and combines them with spiritualism. Yeah, I think this is maybe one of the rare instances where an indie game aimed to ape an existing franchise and arguably surpassed it mm. to the mm-hmm. point now where I don't think Story of Seasons is as as prolific as Stardew Valley. Oh, absolutely. Even though- Stardew Valley has, as um, as my editor once said, eaten its lunch. Like just completely yeah. 100%. stolen yeah, 100%. everything off the tray yeah. of Story of Seasons and Harvest Moon and pushed it in the mud. It cannot compete. No. So yeah, this is one of the most important games ever released, I think. Uh, it offers this huge amount of creative freedom. It has this incredible sense of place that's easy to get lost in. It's fantastical yet grounded. It's just a lovely place to spend time within. Um, and for me, it kind of lets you fulfill that fantasy of working on the land, like using mm. your hands and cultivating and growing crops and owning a house, which is really, really lovely. <laughs> and it's it's it never ends. Like it's received multiple updates over the years. Mm. Uh, there's a big update coming out soon, I think. The 1.6 update, yes. which adds... More festivals, more more things to do, more end game content. Uh, because really, you can just keep playing this game forever if you want to. Mm. There, there's no end to it. Yeah, I think it's an essential text. I think no list of definitive indie games would be complete without it. And I have been playing this again. I mentioned this last week, our last episode rather. Tens and tens of hours. I'm playing it for an hour before I start work in the morning. I'm playing it an hour before bed. I'm absolutely <laughs> in love with it. There's new secrets in it. Um, would you like to know who I married? Yes, <laughs> I'm desperate to know. I'm right. going to judge you. Based on the goth Haley mod, <laughs> <gasps> you I decided I pursued Haley. right? Now, so previous playthroughs... <laughs> no, no, 
I married Lee. No. I know, right? This is going to no. be a real rift between us. Oh my god! The first time I played it, I pursued uh, Leah. Leah. The second yeah. time, I pursued Harvey. And this time, I was like, I'm going for Haley. Do you know what? I like the arc that Haley goes on Stop. over the course of when you're romancing her. I know this is like really cursed. <laughs> Rachel's but she crying. Is such a sweetheart. <laughs> and she. I'm seething. <laughs> I'm seething. I I don't know whether it's an event that you get just when you marry her, but she like have you have you done the charity festival that she does? Have you seen that no, event in the game? Absolutely not. So there's these events in the game that I, your expression, by the way, you've lost all respect for me. <laughs> I tell you what, though, your saving grace is it wasn't your first, and that yeah. is why you're forgiven. If it was your first, <laughs> it'd be different. If you out of all the bachelors and bachelors went for Haley, we'd have a problem. Yeah, but I know. Third, wrong. you're in like, oh, I'll, I'll see other people. So uh, it's fine for now. For now. She's, she has like such a nice arc and she, she raises money yeah. to buy new books for the kids in the village. And oh, she yeah, realizes that. I always yeah. forget there's those two kids in the in There the are those Pelican two quite town. cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> being yeah. taught in the museum that I'm just filling with shit from the mines. They're trying to learn basic <laughs> mathematics and I walk in with like a, a skull and I'm like, can I have some seeds, please? But yeah, who did you both romance the first time out of curiosity? Um, Harvey for me. Harvey yeah. was uh, like just a Harvey. really nice dude who I, I just felt like, yeah, absolutely love it. And he heals yep. you and he like looks after you and stuff. So I yeah. was very, I think Harvey's a, a good go-to. How about you, Rebecca? Good vibes. So you know how we were having a really nice chat earlier about how you can really appreciate a game having only played like a few hours of it? I am yes. nowhere near yes. far enough through Stardew Valley to have a love interest yet, but I have opinions. Um, I'm narrowed okay. it down to like four. Let's hear them. I'm narrowed it down to four, which is not actually oh, that okay. narrow, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm still, I'm still meeting people. I'm still finding out, you know, who's who. Mm-hmm. Good. But I like um, Maru, and I like Leah and Elliot. Yeah. And yes, is it Sebastian who's the goth boy? I get Shane and Sebastian mixed up. Yes, Sebastian, yeah, Sebastian is the Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of. Oh, I actually like the um, who's the other guy? Is it Alex? The sort of gamer dude as oh, well the jock? he's like not too obnoxiously gamer dude-ish oh yeah, he's the jock yes. I think. yeah okay so maybe i've got it down to five anyway like i'm i'm slowly <laughs> narrowing down my options i change my mind every time i'm like this is the time this is the time when i like decide and and you know start love bombing my chosen love interest and then i just get very distracted by the fact that they're all quite fun the way romance works in this game is wrong. Um, I, I ended up making a very small mass production operation for Sunflowers to convince Haley to marry me oh as my quickly God. and as efficiently with, as possible. With, with Harvey, it was wine. Just like this never ending, like every day oh I my a God. bottle of wine. <laughs> he loved it though. Oh, oh no. <laughs> and it was easy to make. I think it was like, it was like, um. The wine that you get when you like forage forage berries as well. So it's not even like that good of wine. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but he yeah. loved it. And I was it's like, like bathtub wine. Man, but he's like, oh, but you made it. To please. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you made him dependent on moonshine. That's how you managed to convince <laughs> yes. Harvey to love you. Oh dear. I mean, if you ever met like a, you know, like a GP, like a doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's point, pretty, actually. Pretty real. Pretty real. <laughs> All those choices are valid. Yeah. But I'm tending yeah. at the moment towards Maru because I like her whole, you know. Yeah. Like. I guess yeah, partly cool. my real life partner is a you know is interested in the whole science astronomy like side of things. 
I like yeah. scientists. What can I say? Exactly. Nerd girls. Nerd girls <laughs> yeah. are cute. Oh, she is a cute. good pick. The dung, the dungarees. Oh, the, dungarees. The, the glasses. Very cute. See, I do. It was initially like Leo or Elliot, but then I'm like, it feels a bit obvious. You know, like, I feel like I'm not seeing enough love for Maru. And that is a, a definite way mm. to get me tending towards someone is mm-hmm. if I feel they're an underdog, I'm like a little bit more <laughs> invested. <laughs> I can't stand Elliot. I, I hate his vibe. And, uh, <laughs> see, right, I get, I get why he's hateable. Spicy takes. <laughs> I, I get it. I do. I don't know. He, That's yeah, probably... I always saw him as like a good friend. I was like, I couldn't handle this energy twenty four seven. I'm sorry, yeah. I no. could not. Yeah, see, that's too that's brooding. The dark yeah. side of my taste is I'm like, ooh, brooding and pretentious and like ooh, long hair. Yes, you do. Yeah, you I do know, look right? someone who broods. That is true. What condition yeah. do you use, Elliot? He uses the sea. He literally, I can just imagine him. The sea is his like bath and shower. That's how he, because he, he lives on the beach. He just dips into <laughs> he, the sea. I mean, does he lives on the beach. That is a flip? plus though. Living on the beach True. is a plus. But it is a shack. Yeah, it is a shack on the sand itself. So, I mean, yeah. he's like one of the he's like one of these artists who's like it's not like Leah where she's like cottagecore like queen. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I live mute. in a shack because I write poetry and I rummage around in dustbins because you know. <laughs> yeah, he's a you disaster. Li- Thanks, <laughs> He is a disaster, but I, you know, I like disasters as well as I. I either <laughs> like people who are really together or complete disasters. I'm not interested in this middle ground. Middle no. ground. No, fair. very fair. <laughs> Anyway, I like yes. how this has become like dating advice for Stardew. This is probably really useful for our audience, actually. I think it's interesting, though, because one thing I've really realised playing it, uh, you know, I haven't played it this substantially since it came out in 2016, the relationship and just the making friends with people in this game side of it is is really quite limited. You know, mm. they don't have a huge amount of lines of dialogue. When you marry someone, they'll say one of maybe four things to you every oh, morning. Yeah. This actually um, came up at work today, it, which is pretty interesting. Oh, really? Oh, really? Interesting, okay. Yeah, because we're, we're putting together at work some lists of like, you know, the best of lists that you do at the start of every yeah. year at gaming sites. And um, I'm working with a colleague on the dating sims list at the moment. And we we were like, does Stardew Valley count as a dating sim? And the conclusion that we reached was no, and not because it's multi-genre, but because it's limited in that sense that like... Yeah. You know, it has I, I, it has those limitations to the relationship system. I didn't play Stardew. Like the the relationships are for me personally like hit, neither here nor there. Like I know some people yeah. like getting to know the characters and stuff and seeing their endings and stuff, but honestly, I just wanted to make my parsnip empire and just like thrive in that. <laughs> that's, that's why like, I, I play it as yeah, well. Sometimes <laughs> in a lot of video games I don't really if there's even like data datables, I tend to not really be interested yeah. in that. So with Stardew, Harvey's like uh, <laughs> A husband wife is good in that they sometimes when you know, when you marry them they like help you out on your farm and that's, that's the it, only that's reason it, why I rush it. Yes, because yeah. sometimes they water all your plants. You can go down the mines faster. But also, I'm sorry, Harvey. Listen, you water my plants, girl. I've got like 16 sprinklers going. Like, do you doubt my organization, Harvey? Harvey, listen. I don't want to argue with you, and I could never because that mustache, and that's really why I went for Harvey because that mustache. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, why I went like, for him as well. And it's really interesting what you said about like Animal Crossing. For me, an important thing in life sims, I love a life sim, is mm. this re- this idea that like it's not based on your actual like time, time zone. Stardew Valley yeah. is so like it never ends because you can start each day like repetitively and just like play a whole year. And like something like mm-hmm. Animal Crossing, which I 
really liked when I was younger, but replaying the new ones bounced off because I'd within an hour I'd done everything, and I'd be yeah. like, okay. But with Stardew, yeah. it's like never ending. Like you could play that for <laughs> hours because you just keep going. Yeah. And like, yeah, I just definitely. think it, there's just like in terms of like life sims, there's just like an indulgence of that, which I don't yeah. think because some of the life sims when it forces you, I felt forced to stop playing. And Stardew's like, nah, keep going, babe. Yeah. More parsnips for goods. everyone. So many more parsnips. <laughs> do, do you do you think Stardew in the eight years since it's, it was originally released has been bettered? Because I was thinking about this today. There's been so many Stardew likes since 2016. It mm. caused a boom of indie game farming sims to the point where we still see farming elements being included in, in most indie games that, that are featured on things like the Wholesome Showcase in particular. Mm. Do you mm -hmm. think any of them have managed to better Stardew at its own game? Shit, what farming sims have I played? I've played a fuck ton of farming sims. It's such an interesting question because there's so many of them that I don't think it's possible unless it's your full-time endeavour to play them the all and try to no. assess them. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, part of it will be, it's not just a matter of like, there could be a game out there that Ooh. has just improved on every Stardew like trope, but mm -hmm. five people have played it because there's so many. And how do you begin the task yeah. of like unpicking all of that? Because Stardew has won it in terms of the way that it's like word of mouth marketing, right? And also the fact that yeah. one of the big things about Stardew that I've always appreciated is that it's, it builds community in by being quite opaque and therefore there is a drive towards things like fan wikis, there is a drive towards forums, there is, it's creating its own community yes. around That's itself by point. being a little bit difficult to grasp. And that only snowballs, obviously, as some people become like experts in it. And so it's, yeah. it's generating its own community constantly, which none of these, you know, it's going to be really that is hard so for true. another game to get that foothold. That is so true. Are you playing like Stardew Minecraft, Valley, right? right? Unless you have like 10 tabs open on the Stardew wiki. And maybe right. I have so many open my phone right now. And also a uh, Stardew farm designer V3. God, I'm on that Ooh, every day at the yes. Planning yes. my farm meticulously. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's a really other, good point, Rebecca. Other farming sims that have taken different aspects of farming and like, like something like Sir Kuna Rice and Ruin is the one where, was oh, it Sakura yeah. Rice and Ruin? That's the one where you can you take into like the weather and you can that you can like affect the different like temperature of the soil and like it's really intense wow, like farming that is actually a farming yeah <laughs> water irrigation levels like it's really deep into the farming elements of it which stardew doesn't have but again mm. stardew is very much like but then also there's like something like disney dreamlight valley which if you're waiting for your crops to grow in stardew for like days in Dreamlight, it takes a number of minutes. So that's yeah. that farming loop is just like, mm. if we're talking about consumption of like, like video games and like that that loop, like like Dreamlight Valley is like ridiculous at the amount of like short term gratification it gives you. Because that's what we're talking about. Like farming sims are great. It's because you get the gratification and satisfaction you get when you grow something and sell it for profit. Like. That's yeah, like right, yeah. the ultimate high in Stardew <laughs> yeah. is like chucking a bunch of stuff in your bin and being like, I'm going to get so well paid tomorrow. Oh, and then like the list, the ding, 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 ding list of, mm. oh, there's no oh. better noise than just all that adding up. So I think other farming sims have taken elements and like done their own thing. But Stardew's still queen. Like she is the moment. Like she, she will forever be the moment. Like yeah. I, I, I think another thing that, that is impressive about Stardew and this is, I don't know, you probably 
know more about this than me, but I feel like there's a lot of a lot of genres in gaming that indie titles have like resurrected after a certain like fallow period, right? I'm thinking about things like Ooh. adventure games. Yeah. Mm. But with Stardew Valley, I feel like it picked up that life sim, like the farming sim life sim thing, just as triple A's were dropping it. So it just really suddenly like ran with it on its own. And yeah. there wasn't yeah. like that it just it has a different feel to it and I don't know what that means necessarily, but I do know that everyone's talking about Stardew Valley eight years later and that's gotta mean something pretty big, right? For me, as someone who who did play a lot of Harvest Moon and, and dropped it because here there was that big split where mm. Harvest Moon became a different thing and Story of Seasons picked up and there was Rune Factory and Rune Factory combined RPG elements in a way that I didn't love it felt like stardew was the cleanest interpretation of that Ooh, when that's a really good point. yeah it, it felt like story of seasons was trying to be better it was trying to be 3d it was trying to do interesting things and it was losing something every time and then by virtue of being made by one person which is still wild to think about oh i know yeah. oh my god i i just think it it kind of just was was the pure incarnation of that formula and that's yeah. what people wanted especially you know people yeah. like me yeah and that's like a, it's my that's a really anyway. good point. Because um, I was sort of comparing it to things that, like I say, like revived a genre by maybe bringing it in a completely new direction. But that's just, as mm. you say, kind of pairing it right back to what made it beloved in the first place and kind of rejecting the idea that you need to add a load of bells and whistles and have the latest, you know, latest gaming mm -hmm. technology. I mean, Stardew Valley can run on basically anything. So right? true. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's on every platform because you can play it on your phone as easily as anything, basically. Yeah. So yeah. No, yeah. oh, I think it's it is, as you say, such an essential text of indie gaming mm -hmm. in the current scene. It's like mm -hmm. it would be a real shame not to have it in the vault. Mm. I'm right. glad you agree. So in the in the pit. Okay, hold on. I need I need clarification <laughs> at this point. Right. I feel like last time yeah. we maybe landed on there's there's a representation of all of these games at all levels. So it's in the pit. Oh, yeah. Okay. And on the and on the the shelf and on the case, you know, like different elements <laughs> yeah. of it are split between yes. these three locations. Just the essence okay. goes in the pit, maybe. And then... in my in my mind, <laughs> Rachel puts a pristine, lovely, you know, those like collector's editions. That's just like a slightly larger version of like a PlayStation Four box that might have Ooh. like a couple of arc cards in it. So yes. it's just a little bit thicker and a nice cardboard sleeve. They have their own houses. Mm. Yes, she puts one of her there. Like, she puts that on the shelf. We throw a single switch cart of the game into my pit, and I gobble it up like a little pig. And then, and then for you, Rebecca, like what kind of merch would you choose to represent? Well, it? I feel like we have to have a three D printed statuette of Goth Haley. I feel like that's the only appropriate. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. I hate Agreed. this. I hear that this is my legacy. Yeah, this is your legacy now. <laughs> fuck's sake that is so funny <laughs> <laughs> you liked it so much that you dated Hayley in the game without the mod <laughs> I know embarrassing oh dear uh, oh. who's next Rebecca shall, I, go next? shall I go next now, yeah. I, now I've got the tone the kind of broad idea that we decided to work with for this this week was a, a game not only that we personally really like but that we think as we said is like an essential indie game so trying to mix that little bit of objectivity in um to the very subjective uh task of, of picking your favorite indie games um and of course because i have to make things more complicated than they in fact are <laughs> and because i had a few different ones that i was i was struggling to choose between 
Um, and because my partner's an engineer, I decided to collect a data set and set my partner on the data set to work out what I think in an incredibly limited and subjective way is the best indie game of all time. And how I did this was I um I went through oh my God. The, I, I went went through every BAFTA, every BAFTA games awards because I think they're the only semi-respectable games awards that you can really talk about. Like I mean obviously mm. still massively flawed and limited, but like, you know, don't get me started on the entrance fee to even consider getting nominated. I know it's really shit. But it's something. It's a data set to start from. And so I went through all of the BAFTA Games Awards and looked at the indie games that were nominated and the indie games that won. And my partner wrote a simple formula to help establish um, how Incredible. how we could measure these against one another. Um, and it came out and it turns out basically all the games that I was between um, were more or less the top four or five indie games that came out of that. So I feel a bit vindicated in my tastes for one thing pretty yes. good but the one that it the one that came out just slightly ahead of all the others and so the one that i am submitting to today's vault is hades God, I love it so much, though. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's, very I, you. I know. I get really it's so you. This is how my brain works, and I was so happy coming up with my little list, my little idea. Oh. You two with your spreadsheets as well earlier today at the Discord. <laughs> trading, yeah, we love trading spreadsheets. spreadsheets. Oh, you us out. Oh, look at look at the look at the color <laughs> the color coded. Uh, little squares on my spreadsheet it was uh, it was amazing yeah. yeah it was a lot of fun such art it was very artful i was like wow yeah. these really this... are detailed spreadsheets you know what this is who i am and i like who i am i'm glad i do absolutely <laughs> we love it too so yes good. i've definitely found the place where i can finally be the person with with the spreadsheets yeah about video games so and cute. it's productive Me and too. fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is Um, i like i like how fun it is (laughs) it's so fun um but yeah i was actually really shocked that you you, there isn't anywhere that i could find online that's just got like a simple full set of data for you know like bafta game winners and then like i don't know if i go down this route more i'll probably mix in like the game awards and the golden joysticks and other things but like bafta is a good place to start Mm. but it came out with so the four games that i was between were hades everybody's gone to the rapture hellblade center was sacrifice and journey um and Ooh. turns out those are like i think in the the top i did i did it down to like the top 10 um you know biggest indie games at the baftas and they're all in the top five i think or just like you know mm. so it's actually yeah i mean like, like i said taste feels a bit vindicated or there's someone on the bafta committee who has really similar tastes to me um <laughs> but yeah so that was that was a fun exercise but yeah i decided like hades obviously one game of the year in 2020 not just at the BAFTAs, at a lot of places, because it was mm. 
freaking amazing. I was a little shy to talk about it because I think definitely of the three of us, I've played Hades the least. Mm-hmm. Like, I am not good at Hades. That's probably worth saying up top. This is kind of a weird a weird choice for me because usually that I, I prefer to talk about games that I feel like I have a level of expertise in. Um, whereas mm-hmm. with Hades, I'm, I'm not very good at it. But it's worth saying that like I usually don't get on with games that I'm not good at. But I love Hades, even though I'm not good yes. at it. And that in itself has got yeah. to say something. Surely exactly. before we even get into it, it's like, it's, you know, lauded merits. The fact that you can be like pretty damn bad at roguelike dungeon crawlers <laughs> and still mm-hmm. be having a fun time with Hades and not be getting frustrated and just like enjoying, enjoying the runs and enjoying the lore and all of that. It's like, I, I still yeah. think it's like, it deserves every you know, every one of the accolades it got. And I'm I'm the person sitting there like being really grumpy when Elden Ring is getting nominated for stuff because I did not have fun with <laughs> Elden Ring because I was not good at it. And I did not find it, it was rewarding if you're not good at what it's trying to do. Which is something that I think Hades really nails. But the, uh, I mean, there's so many good things to say about Hades, right? I think to start with the way that it uses Greek mythology and it it works in such cool characterization and the acting is also fantastic. Like, just ah, oh, mm. getting, I'm getting excited talking about this game that I can't finish because I'm no good at it because I'm just so invested in the characters and the lore and the world of it is so much fun. Mm. Um, and obviously, like because it's this podcast, it's so queer in like such a delightful way as well, and that's very important to me. I actually picked up Hades um, not because of any recommendations from video gaming outlets, but because I just read uh, Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And a lot of people who are really into that book were like, oh, have you played Hades yet? Oh, okay. So that's how you, that's why you got into it. And and just, they came out a similar sort of time and I just read um, a review of Hades or something. Because obviously, you know, it was like 2020. I was already well into the sort of games scene. Mm. Um, But I hadn't really paid much attention to Hades because that's not my sort of thing. Um, And then I just saw a review for it that just had sobs in song of achilles as the review <laughs> and i was like okay what's going on here so i had to go find out obviously and then it turns out like achilles and patroclus are pretty big characters in this and a lot of people are even like i consider this book and this game to be in universe with one another and yeah i mean that Ooh, all okay you know it all it all sort of pays off in that way and it's just yeah even if you're even if you're not good enough to really get very far i mean i think they have actually patched in a load of accessibility stuff now like to the point where i could probably just walk through it i think there's a god mode in hades which if you think about it is quite appropriate really um so i probably Mm. should go back and just like finish the story at some point but i don't know it's it's one of those as well where you do sort of want to get better i just need the time in my life to be able to get skillful at hades to try it again really which is I mean, when's that going to happen? Maybe yeah, in they had the god years. mode, but because I've been playing it a bit recently, just because yeah. out of coincidence, uh, they don't have too many. But I mean, you can just install Wii Mod, and then Wii Mod will just have a bunch of like, I don't know if you guys, I use Wii Mod for so many games, which I I'm also not very good at Hades. Like the first time I played it, um, I was having a lot of problems as well, even with God mode. Uh, yeah, because the yeah. idea, the looping is is vital. So that's yes. why you yes. don't have invincibility. Mm. But with something like Wii Mod, you can literally like community made mods can put invincibility on, uh, on and off. So you still like 
Yeah, I like yeah. to kind of put it on occasionally and switch it off to still get the looping, but also make some sure. sort of progress. But yeah, uh, this game is great. I'm so happy you picked it. Do you want to kind of describe like what the story is about and like what players are doing a little bit? Um, so you're playing as, and I really hope I'm not the person who's about to mispronounce the lead's name. <laughs> I haven't played this in a while. But Zagreus, right? That's his name. Zagreus. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is one Dad. of the children, one of the children of Hades, titular character Hades. Mm. And he's trying to escape the realm, you know, the underworld realms, um, get out from under his dad's control. Um, I do know what he's trying to get towards, but I think that is kind of an ending spoiler, so I won't say it here for the benefit yeah. of anyone who is new to this. Um, but it's done in a series of sort of dungeon crawl runs. Um, the idea is very much that you start out very underpowered, very liable to die, and because it's it's roguelike, you are slowly unlocking skills and better weapons and more abilities as you also as the player kind of learn mechanically how to work with the game some more and yeah if I had the time to get good at it I think it's not I don't, I don't think it's so difficult as to present a huge barrier to a lot of people but I do think that like it is hard enough that you need a certain level of skill to get through it which I clearly do not have yet but one of the the charms of it is that the characters you meet along the way from um, boss enemies or mini boss enemies to just the characters that you meet in the sort of, are they called Elysiums in this as well? Or is that just a, uh, the safe zones anyway, the sort of Elysium safe mm. zones are, um, mm. are just so well-written. They're very fun, very diverse, both in terms of who they are and also just the personalities that they bring to the situation. Um, and it's all based in fairly, I mean, like always loosely interpreted, but fairly well-researched like Greek mythology as well so if you're you know grew up with those stories or you know quite a lot about those there's a lot to get out of it from that point of view as well and you know you know me i love a good story game and hades is genuinely a fantastic story and you know you're doing these these from my point of view hard as nails dungeon runs i know it's very contentious as to how hard hades actually is but you gotta remember (laughs) like my my level for this is boyfriend dungeon which is objectively easy and which still took me (laughs) ages to like (laughs) to get good at so Mm. You know, but even as you're going through this, you are being rewarded constantly with like story, with advancement and with just enjoyment. It is an enjoyable game as well, I think, from that perspective to just be sort of bashing skeletons into underworld yes. murk and talking to ghosts. Yeah, it's it's well-deserved, I think, recognition as one of the best, if if not. There is, like I say, an argument. There is an argument to call it the best indie game out there from as close to an objective viewpoint as you can get. And obviously you can't be objective on these things, but (laughs) yeah, there isn't, there is a case to be made that if you were trying to, you can't name a singular one, but I do think it genuinely belongs on a list of the best ones. Yeah, for sure. I would agree because I think not only is it narratively very unique in the way that it, you know, it, it, it took the roguelike formula, which by the time this game came out in 2018 or whenever it first went into early access, roguelikes were already a bit long in the tooth and a bit old mm-hmm. hat yeah and it it brought this it, it, lay, it used the the formula of a roguelike this looping continuous uh you know doing runs all, all over and over again and, and made it this incredible narrative device it's probably one of the best isometric hack and slashes ever made mm. it's like mechanically so rich and so clean uh the way that all of these different boons you get from gods interweave with one another every run feels different which oh, yes. makes it exciting to pick a different weapon and to to go down a different 
line of gods that are giving you, you know, abilities. Uh, but also the story of this game, I think, is so indie in the, you know, in the sense that it was made by a small group of people, the team at Supergiant. Uh, it went into early access. They listened to their fans for so long. Um, you know, it came out over the pandemic. It launched on Switch. Like, I do completely agree. I think that the story and, and the package that this game has is very distinctly indie and makes it one of the best just in, in every facet of it. There's just so yeah. much to, to, to like praise about it. I mean, I love the fact that it has about three voice actors for a cast of 50 characters <laughs> and they all sound unique and amazing. And like, you know, that's yep. an achievement in itself. They got such good people to help them pull off this incredible vision with, you know, the limited resources of an indie game. Obviously it's not the smallest indie ever, but it's not the biggest either. Um, mm. And yeah, the fact that, you know, you don't feel like every single character is being voiced by one dude, but they are largely. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, you know, they just, they just got good people. This is super giant on form. They, they, you know, have mm -hmm. only released bangers for the past, yep. how many years, decade. And Hades was the epitome of just an indie studio who were on top form, which is obviously why we're getting a sequel into, oh, into, yeah. into early access this year with Hades 2. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've basically touched upon everything. Like, it's just, it changed the roguelike formula in a way which I thought was a lot more accessible to people who might not be really into roguelikes. Like, I was not a roguelike I person. Agree. I mm -hmm. struggled with death a lot and just was just like, my patience wore thin. There are a, a, a handful, like loads of different reasons why the runs in Hades work so well different boons new unlockables story like every run through you get different stories interactions with the characters are always so playful and interesting mm -hmm. with like which Olympian gods I love for the I live for the drama these oh, gods yeah. <laughs> are just all bickering all the time saying shit behind each other's backs like this is a very like dysfunctional family of gods right, and so right. just like getting to know them all and them like kind of being sassy about it the artwork is amazing the combat Stunning. feels so crunchy the yeah the fact that you can like it's a dating sim also so you can like gift like certain gifts to characters and get to know them a bit better and mm. yeah this super giant i can't wait for hades i can't two. wait for hades 2 oh. even i, w I won't yeah, have finished so. it. even if i start now i won't have finished hades by the time hades 2 comes out but yeah, i'm still excited to play it it's gonna be so good absolutely what? yeah like just the just the way that developers approach like development now with the the early access thing like mm -hmm. approach like early access wise mm -hmm. the fact that hades was in like yeah early access yeah. for how many years i was two? just actually thinking like more? I can think of Less? two games. I can think of two games that did One the early year? access thing for a long time and came out and still stormed it. And it's Hades and Baldur's Gate three, which is when yeah. you think about it, like mostly it's kind of accepted that if you do early access, you're not gonna get that much recognition when you launch 1.0, right? That's that's typically a thing that you you sort of have to accept, I think, in in game dev. Mm -hmm. But those except, I mean, look at those two as exceptions, and like, yeah, wow. Yeah, is any surprise at... they're doing it again with Hades 2? Like, right, the exactly. that Why game changed over yeah, that massively. time span. Can you, like, of course, it's gonna, everyone's going to love it because they literally were listening to players throughout its, its development process. Yeah. Like, I think that's so interesting. And so many indies are doing that now through Steam's early access. Mm -hmm. um, like, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. It was in development for two years. And yeah, I thought it might be too. If you're interested in the complete Hades story, I absolutely have to give a shout out to No Clips rolling documentary yes. they did alongside the development called Developing Hell, 
where they checked in with Supergiant every couple of months. So good. One of the best video game documentaries I've ever seen. The I think about the pandemic episode quite a lot, actually. Um, it's oh my God, yeah. Interesting. Truly wonderful, wonderful documentary. But yeah, that really goes into how they, they didn't succumb to every whim of their mm. player base, mm. but they listened to the things that they thought aligned with their vision. And I really think that's why Hades works. It's because ultimately they knew the game they wanted to, wanted to make, but they also listened to their players and, and crafted it in a way that also appealed to them. What a game. What a fucking game. I love so Hades so much. Good game. It's so good. I, how, yeah. how, right, like Bastion, Transistor, <laughs> Pyre, Hades, Supergiant. What is the special source? Let us in. I want to know. Like, it, and it's so great when you can just see a, like, a studio like development they're all through these games Hades is an yeah. accumulation of those three previous games oh into yeah this oh it's a through just, line right absolutely oh, I love yeah. when you can see like the honing of the craft as well through a studio's work I always love that so yeah. much they're probably one of the few developers where I would say you could play through their entire back catalogue and just appreciate how much richer each mm -hmm. game gets but none will ever feel dated like yeah. I went back to Bastion after Hades and still think that game fucking rules. Like yeah. even though the combat in Bastion is a lesser version of Hades, you know, they built upon that same combat system. Oh, they're so good. I am excited for Hades too. I am. Part of me though is a little bit sad that we're not getting a new game from Supergiant set with a new world, mm. maybe a new gameplay style. I think that would have been quite exciting. Yeah, I mean, this is their first sequel, right? This is their first time ever returning yeah. to the it world. Is. So, Which makes me think if they can release a game as experimental as Pyre and survive to make Hades, Ooh. that they did not need to make a sequel for financial reasons. Mm. So That's I think point. considering how, yeah, I think how creative Supergiant are, they must really have some cool shit in store for Hades too to think, let's do this again straight away. Because normally you'd think, oh, you know, they never made Bastion 2, right? Yeah. So yeah. what is it about this sequel that's getting them excited? So, yeah. I mean, it looks, from what, we, what we've seen so far, it does look good. I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying because my initial thought too was like, oh, is this, you know, the financial reality of making a hit now that mm. you, you mm -hmm. kind of have to keep going back to. But when you look at the, you know, the footage that we've seen so far from Hades 2 and the fact that the setup plays with so many ideas. I mean, it's, it's much deeper than just having a female protagonist this time, right? It's, it's a different mm. perspective on Hades, the title character, from what I can tell, which is yeah. really interesting. I mean, even if the gameplay is largely the same, the fact well, that you'll be seeing yeah. the world and the characters from such a different perspective is, is suggests to me that they've got a pretty cool idea there. And that's not just because I thought Nemesis had great arms. With oh my god! <laughs> I forgot about that. Amazing. But that's the thing, right? So Hades two follows Hades's other, so his daughter, and it's interesting mm. in that Zagreus is um, running away from his father, whereas Mint, oh, what's her name? Melano. She's like Melano is like actively pursuing yeah. him, and mm. with Hades and Zagreus, he's like escaping hell, but she's like delving into it. There's a lot of like twin moon kind of like these two people satelliting Ooh, around yeah. like this yeah. world and it's almost like like i want i want something different but i also do want the same elements yes. like i don't want too much to be mm. changed because the roguelike in hades is so good like so it's good. so pitch mm. perfect that 
I yeah, I I don't mind the sequel, but I mean, a new game would have been exciting. But also, I'm just like that trailer. That trailer was so good, and I'm just so excited for it. So Hades good. two. I always like Amazing. pointing this out. If you go on the Hades two website, there's a little bloody quote from Rachel Watts on there. Is there? <laughs> no, hold on. Super Giants Hades is getting a sequel, not a DLC, a full blown sequel. And All wow, right. does it look cool! That's only wow, Rachel Watts is uh, words on the website. Ooh, I did not know <laughs> that. Oh That's yeah. how excited we are for this. And wow, does it, wow, it does look cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god, into the vault. Uh, whether Toy you want in. to frisbee it or place it gently or punch it. Zagreus style into the vault. You know, I'm always going to place things gently. That's that's who I am. Just satisfyingly. Maybe that's it. why I'm not very good at Hades. We don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, just just install a, like a mod and just just yeah. get. Through I mean, it. to be honest, I've not even Absolutely. played it on Steam Deck yet. I've had it installed on my Steam Deck since I got it, but again, time time to play things is just a factor yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I think I will probably because I was playing it on mouse and keyboard, and I did get you know. A decent oh, yeah. way in. Um, I was doing all right, but just the day came when I put it down and couldn't mm. pick it up again for like two yeah, years. Um, so yeah, I, at some point when I have when I know I have a bit of time free, I want to play it on Steam Deck and see if I can get a bit a bit further through. Yes. Um, well, because God mode, if you play it enough, you you will become invincible. It goes yeah. up to a hundred percent. Yeah. So sure. it just takes oh, I, a while. <laughs> I know I can do this. I just I need the time to do it in. And it's a game that yeah. deserves the time. I think that's worth saying as well. It's a game that that yeah. I yeah. want to go back to because it is, as I say, I cannot emphasize this enough, one of the maybe the only game I'm objectively bad at at this point that still makes me happy to to look yeah. at it and play it that and just see it being around in the world, you know? Yeah. Well makes <laughs> death enjoyable, yeah. right? That's why it's so great. Yeah, for sure. Just, just you know, both games that we've vaulted today already uh, have massive merchandise lines on Fangamer. Fangamer, oh, please. Well, <laughs> what a fun coincidence. Like, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely not intentional. This is a Fangamer, genuine if you're coincidence, listening. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, please. can you imagine if someone takes that? We just choose our <laughs> games over what Fangamer <laughs> merch lines that Begging are? for free merch. Maybe if we get just... one T-shirt each, we we shut down the podcast. That's ultimately what this whole endeavor has been <laughs> about oh, for the last my year. God. <laughs> Maybe we've just still that's got kind good of taste. funny though. <laughs> All right, should we get on to my my pick? Oh yeah, damn of right. Course. My pick for the uh, the indie venture vault is Disco Elysium. And then whatever cool music from that good, good soundtrack goes here. Uh, so, oh my God, I just remember the trumpets. 
Oh, you know, you, you must get this all the time. When video game music just transports you, those yeah. trumpets in Disco Elysium do that for me on a visceral level. Oh, anyway, yeah. right. I'm going to start <laughs> my entry was the first time I heard of Disco Elysium. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this anecdote on the podcast or whatever, but I was at EGX Res like maybe 2018 and there was like this rumble of like journalists like kind of talking about this demo, this demo in which you play this detective, but parts of your mind are speaking to you. And that if, you know, if you weren't in a stable place mentally, maybe don't play the demo. And like, so there was this rumbling and excitement of um, this game, which a debut game from this studio. And so I was, when I played the demo, I thought it was so good. And like, I just love that it was, it started off as this like, this rumor, this whisper in the, the uh, what is amazing. the place where EGX Resd is? It's in the, Cold, um, was it the Cold London. Yard? Yeah. Yes. So the rumble throughout the, ooh, throughout this place. So <laughs> very cold for a, an EGX Resd um, convention or whatever, by the way, event, very cold. But yes, this <laughs> rumbling, it was so cool. And turns out it's probably one of the best indie, not maybe even indie, but like detective RPGs ever made which is quite a statement um if you haven't heard of disco elysium it's oh, jesus where do i start it's a detective rpg but that's also kind of like a fever dream or it kind of like makes you think it's this kind of like booze-soaked hangover essentially like like months years after i finished playing that game like i'm still thinking about it the hangover is still with me from that game like it is so real so it's this dialogue heavy rpg where you know it's like part um detective game part psychodrama where it came out in 2019 it dominated awards dominated websites mm. um best games of uh 2019 2019 um yes. everyone was really really into disco so you <laughs> it starts off where you play as a detective who wakes up like naked on the on the floor <laughs> of this really grimy hostel and like he can't remember his name he doesn't know where he is like he doesn't remember like nothing and that's kind of like the character you're given and like this kind of moldable clay in which you kind of mold into this like outline of a detective quote unquote detective okay let's just get it real you do not have to be a detective <laughs> in this game like i'm using detective very loosely at minimum you're just a fucking mess of a human being and i that, i say that with all the love in the world but it is soon revealed that you you play as harry dubois and the city you're in is revishol and you're there to solve a murder and this murder is like the point on which this world, very rich world, like spins in terms of it's the, the strange characters you meet, the shady politics going on. And like, is this, it just feels like this city you're in is on the edge of like imploding completely in Italy. Um, there's so much about this game. So I'm just going to go into like my hero parts of it, which is the skill tree, mm. inverted commas system, which is kind of like explored in this like, kind of like i think the point was when this game came out and people started talking about it everyone had different experiences because 
the way that you make this character in this game is so unique. And that's quite like standard to say that, like it's quite PR-y. But honestly, with 24 different skills that you can dump points into, like everyone who makes a detective, detective, is it's all like, it's just different. <laughs> Everyone had different experiences and different outcomes of certain situations. And so there was this buzz about like, oh, what did your detective do? Or mine did this and oh, I did that. And yeah, it's just, it works in the same way that TTRPGs work. Um, you mm -hmm. are asked to perform skill checks and you roll dice and depending on where you've dumped your points into, you get different outcomes. So mm. it's very inspired by, yeah, the TTRPG RPG system. So are you at a crime scene? Like, do you spot evidence? Roll for it. Like, are you talking to a witness? Like how much information you get out of them? You got to roll for it. So cool. Standard. Cute. Love that. But also the skill, like checks and points in this game are unhinged. Like absolutely unhinged. Like, you can dump stuff into authority, which is like where you're really good at being imposing when it comes to intimidating, uh, interrogating people, like you're intimidating to them and you're good at getting what you want. The one that everyone always goes on about is Inland Empire, which is like this kind of Lynchian um, like skill where you can like, you go on your hunches. It's very Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. Like mm -hmm. you feel people's emotions. Y you like go on dream logic and there's points where animated objects start speaking to you and that's all good. My favorite one is Shivers, which I don't think people talk about a lot. Shivers is the skill points, um, the skill where you can like feel like the energy of the city. And this game is very like very text and dialogue heavy. Um, it's written in, in, beautifully. Um, but yeah, you can kind of tune into your surroundings and like hear and listen to the city, which is ridiculous. And you can like, like assert certain clues about the city and the people in it from like, like a building or graffiti or like, you can just get an insight into the history and the people who live there. And I just... I, Fucking, mm. I fucking love Shivers. Shivers is best. Inland Empire, great, great. Everyone goes on about that. Shivers is where it's at. But the flip side of this is that each behavior you dump points into has like a positive or a negative. And the negative is usually like really self-destructive in terms of like what it does to your character. So like another one is like conceptualization. So you can like really visualize a, a crime scene. Um, you can like see how events played out, but you're like a pretentious fuck. You are so fucking pretentious. There's like empathy where you're good at letting people open up to you, but you can feel everything about them, like their pain and their suffering. Like you can feel everything. And like, and the cool thing is that these parts of your personality talk to you. There's like, you're in constant conversation with them. They all have voice acting. They all have different personalities. You debate them and they inform your decisions. And so, yeah, this idea that you're like picking and choosing like concepts and personality traits, it's like you're, you're like Ardman Clay forming your own little detective man who's a mess. And, but also you can get like, he can be, you can pick, don't pull yourself into logic and be the best fucking detective ever. Or you can like, really play into the weird side and and like it's it's the ability to kind of like explore a physical world but also you explore this is so weird 
but like the landscape of your own detective's mind and how he perceives stuff is unreal. Like you don't get that in games a lot. Like, and it, it's just like, feels like such a personal experience because of that. And I won't go too much into it, but that's the best thing about it. The city is fantastic. The dialogue system is awesome. Characters are really wonderful. Um, Kim Kutsuragi is one of the best sidekick <laughs> lieutenant characters ever. Like there are moments in this game that make my heart like ache. Like it's so fucking good. And yeah, it's just about playing this character who's like on the edge. Um, it's... It's it's not a sleazy cop sim, is what I'm trying to say. Like there are there's nuance to the way that this game tells its mm-hmm. story and explores mm-hmm. its city, and there's just been nothing like it. Like I have not played anything that has come close to what Disco Elysium has made me feel, the way it's made me play games. Like I just love it, <laughs> and apparently <laughs> many people do too. So yeah, that's why it's I'm fucking hurling this. Oh, Final Cut copy. Discoidism Final Cut. They released a um another an updated version of the game with like more shit in it. So yeah, that vision. I'm like hurling this game into our vault, like absolutely lobbing it. I love this game. I've just I I just think about it every now and then. I'm just like, wow, that is a game. <laughs> this is uh, a blind spot for me. I've I've never played that. Girl. And but weirdly, um, you being at EGS Resed in 2018 is when I got that. <gasps> yes, um, so oh my god! I got a framed Disco Elysium print. Yeah, I also saw Disco Elysium for the first time demoed at EGX 2018, but EGX the main one, not Res. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, mine was at the main one, not Res. Yeah, so we were there oh, together then. Oh, we probably. I mean, we must Ooh. have run into each other probably in terms of being in the same massive warehouse um, a few times (laughs) before we actually met but yeah they were clearly doing a very good job of like demoing it around that time because I played I played so many demos at EGX 20 it was my first time at EGX I played so many things and that was something that went on my radar and stayed so firmly on my radar Um, and I did buy it and play it and I've technically I've technically finished it in the incredibly loose sense that I have (laughs) that I have I have seen my character die at I think the earliest (laughs) point in the game it is possible for him to die so here's a fun thing right my playtime on the three games that we've talked about today all about the same I'm in that sort of I'm in that that uncomfortable zone where I'm like I've played a few hours I've really enjoyed Mm. it I've had to put it down Uh, and never had the time to pick it up because they're all really big games that's the thing that is interesting about our selections today is they're all quite mm. hefty um, mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like the games that we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, as our former vault, they're they're much smaller. We picked like mm-hmm. two small ones and a big one, which was interesting. But yeah, I've technically seen an ending in that I created someone who was such a mess that he failed the same <laughs> like essential story check five times in a row, and then I think was kicked to death by a small child or something equally like. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. there's yeah. one earlier than that, but that is pretty early. That's pretty. There's early. one. There's one where your your physical traits are so low, you switch on the light and you look into the light bulb and you pass out and die because of how bright it is. I, uh, I didn't do that one, but I did. Um, yeah, the, the, I, so I did good. everything I could do in the area so you have to talk to the little boy, and then he's basically Kuno. taunted me to death. The so. worst child in video game history. Oh, I. I mean, God, we'll have to it. we'll have to talk because I would argue that there is one who is worse, but that's a, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Is it Tim the tiny human from Video Game Brain? I was going to say, is he a child? Yeah. 
Oh, maybe, maybe it's like a child. Maybe three. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's like the trifecta of evil video game children. Um, <laughs> I refer it's just to not be too um, oblique and mysterious about it to the titular character, the other titular character from Sherlock Holmes, the devil's daughter, which I love from oh, but mistake from start to finish. She's awful. I hate she's her awful. with a passion. She is I've bad. never tried to kill a child so hard in a video game before. <laughs> with, the, with the fire at the end? And you yeah, have to save I was like, what if I just left her? What if I just left her, right? Camille Watson just go. What if, my awful child, and what, if my, what if my awful daughter, clearly voiced by a 35-year-old yeah. woman who doesn't want to be there, could just not? Yeah, she's a shitbag. I would me. argue Kuno Incredible. is worse, though. Kuno is... Uh, he gets a redemption, though, in some playthroughs. He, he killed him. me, and I still prefer him to Caitlyn. What's that tell <laughs> <Yeah>. me? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, I saying that, you know, Hades is one of the few games that I've been bad at that I still really am just happy whenever I see it come up. And I think Disco Elysium is another one. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it has that that definite charm to it. And I'm like, I don't know how bad you can be at Disco Elysium. Did I just fuck up my build or what? Like, I know it sounds weird to say build in this context, but I can't think of another but thing to call build, it. But it is a build, yeah. Um, you can't you can't be bad like yeah. you literally can't like I died a couple of times when I first started playing and that's just sure. because your, your curiosity gets the better of you a yeah, lot of the time yeah. I'm like hmm can my cop punch this wall oops no I'm dead <laughs> I mean it's like I said like all three of these games I have quit but not rage quit I have put it down like yeah. I'll come back when I have time and I just haven't had the time but they're all they're all perfect games in my opinion you're close to perfect they're just so good but Oh, time, life and time. What can you do? What's interesting about your choice is that much like the first episode of The Vault, this game intimidates me much like the choice that you picked the first time around that you'll mm-hmm. go into soon did. Mm-hmm. This feels, I played this for an hour at EGX, loved it. I own it. I bought it the day it came out. I just, I've never started it because I'm worried that it's too smart for me. But how it's much, it's not, too smart. It's not. No. okay. Because it yeah. seems so intellectual. Like when you when you hear people talk about it and and everyone, you know, talks about the different permutations and the voices in your head and how this game is very inherently political and, and lets you be yeah. political on all parts of the spectrum. Which and- they doubled down on with the the final cut. They were like, Oh, you want politics? We'll give you more politics. Yeah. And I was like, Oh god. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess like the thought of going through a twenty hour long, quite heavy game with these kind of themes has always felt very like oh do i need to be in a specific mood for it or mm. like is this something i could curl up on the settee with on the steam deck or do i need to be like locked in glass of whiskey like Ooh. shouting at the um, screen kind of like yeah yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't say this was like a a, ca- a cozy couch game uh yeah. i would say there's so much text you do have to read a lot you don't have to like kind of absorb there's so much to this game like the history of this place and you can just be a vibe like this cop that you play as if you pick like if you go for inland empire or go, you don't actually have to pick any attributes to be a detective like intelligence absolutely not i don't need that i don't know that shit logic <laughs> get out of here you can literally just play as this dude who's just vibes throughout the whole game and that's honestly okay. The the mystery and the murder is still inherently interesting. The characters you meet are still great. Mm. But yeah, it takes a little bit of brain power just because you need to pay attention. Like you can't just be like, I love Power Wash, but we all know how how Power Wash is played, like half drooling. Yeah. 
maybe yeah. watching TV at the same time. You do have to be, yeah, yeah whiskey, whiskey in hand, you know, mm-hmm. potentially. But I wouldn't let that stop you, especially you'll know in the first 10 minutes, you're like, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to be in a certain mood to play this game when your tie starts talking to you about uh, <laughs> potential ways to uh, the escape pod, the exit strategy, which was in the yeah. demo, the EGX demo. So that's why people were like, maybe don't play this if you're like yeah. a bit sensitive to that stuff. And I honestly... Yeah would uh if you are interested in this game just quick you know trigger checks just they're, they're online somewhere just have a quick bra- mm-hmm. a browse through them but um mm. yeah it's quite intense game but mm. i wouldn't say it's intellectual it can if you like that aspect to it but mm. if if some if some lady starts going on about the eco-social politics of revachol you can just be like nah i'm good it doesn't make a difference like you mm. can engage this mm. will with this world as much as you like mm is what I'm trying to say. And uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, that makes sense. It's good. That does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. I often wonder if I bounced off this game mainly because I was trying to play it in March 2020, which was just... Wow. Yes. (laughs) Damn. I was like, hey, what's a great, what's a really hefty game I can get into while I can't leave my house for the next six to 12 months mm. um and maybe this wasn't mm. it i definitely yeah it's it's due another go yeah I stick do... with animal crossing for 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. this was not oh, the God. game no this was not this was not the game <laughs> as it turns out no. um yeah yeah that's funny that when you had that impulse to play this i started bloodborne so both of us made oh very bad God. early <laughs> pandemic choices yeah oh god i was just playing disco elysium and life is strange too which i love but is like I think the most emotionally rattling of the Life is Strange games, and then just sort of sat there like, oh, I feel really, really bad now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm doing this to myself. <laughs> yeah. And then my copy bad? of Animal Crossing arrived, and I did nothing else for like a year. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This. Uh, mm. Yeah. This is not Animal Crossing. It's probably one of the most like. <laughs> it's probably the opposite of Animal Crossing in terms of every aspect of it. Although I have seen both Harry and Kim drawn in Animal Crossing. Oh style, my god! Of course you have. And oh, it that's... is so cute. I'm googling that immediately. Oh, yes, I think Kim is a cat and Harry is like a dog, um, with the floppy ears, and they look oh. adorable. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. Oh my gosh, yep. so cute! Love that. So cute. <sighs> but yeah amazing pick amazing pick you guys yeah. yes you gotta be in the vault one day <laughs> you'll both play it for one sure day. yeah i i think this will be a really good one for us to revisit as a podcast one oh, day yeah. when rebecca and oh. i have played it definitely <laughs> yeah let's do a, a whole one. episode dedicated to the three of us chatting about it yes yes absolutely oh yeah so let me let me um chuck that in the vault and I'm by ch- I just place it delicately. Oh yeah, we didn't even check if fan game would do merch of it. Jeez, like they was- don't. Oh, they don't. Well, at know. least at least we can't <laughs> be accused of corruption now. No, but um, studios um have their own have their own website with like a bunch of merch on. Oh, they have good I, merch on that website. Wow. I've just remembered that the first time we met in person, Rachel, wasn't I given the task of preventing you from buying Kim's jacket? <gasps> Yes, oh, a very expensive yeah. jacket, and I was oh. not helpful. <laughs> you and Catherine were like, "Do it, do it, do it," and I was like, I was "This is like, an expensive jacket." I was like, guys. "I was like, Rachel, an expensive jacket will last you years. It's a good jacket." 
<laughs> I was not helpful. Oh. You, you still became my friend anyway, which I appreciate greatly. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, they do it in the, the Kim's um, jacket is is an iconic shade of orange, oh, yeah. and they do a black version, which is why I was like, and I do like I do like black. Black is very nice for clothing, and I was like, mm, do I? But no, no. Uh, yeah. Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> So should we go over the ones that are already in the vault then? Oh yeah, quick, quick revisit. Quick, re- quick fire, one yeah. each and go around twice. Yep, that yeah, works. Sure, that makes sense. Super quick with it. Yeah, I mean, that. we're just just shouting about our personal favourites for yes. a few minutes, right, basically. Get everyone up to yep. speed. Make sure that you don't have to go back too far in our, you know, mm-hmm. our, our back catalogue of episodes if you want to understand what the hell's going on here. So, yeah, try exactly. and keep it within Indie Venture instead of giving you additional reading material. That <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why I'm on the reading list. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, I love the reading list, but like most people don't don't appreciate it when you're like, hey, just go and listen to another 15, yeah. 20 episodes <laughs> or something else. So many hours. <laughs> it's a lot of time hours? to spend with us. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Who wants to start with theirs then? Should we do the same again? So with yeah. you, Rebecca, than me? Yep. I'll jump first. So, um, yep, like Rachel said, these are games that we picked for the vault before. These are games that we uh, decided should be immortalized within our list of the definitive list of indie games. For these two picks, I went more from my heart than my head, like I did the Stardew Valley today. Well, the Stardew Valley is heart and head. So my first game was Paradise Killer by Kaizen Gameworks. This is a locked room murder mystery that combines visual novel elements with the scope and structure of an open world game. It is set on a island that exists within a pocket dimension that is governed by demigods that steal humans to harvest their faith to potentially bring back dead gods? Question mark. Love that. That was a great sentence. And uh, thank you. Yes, uh, I had to close my eyes there. It hurt to think of that. (laughs) You play as a character called Lady Love Dies and your goal is to figure out who done it. And the gimmick of the game is that you can end your investigation at any time. As long as you have a uh, a suspect and a little bit of evidence, you can present that to the court. And because you are judge, jury and executioner, you can uh, make the final decision at any point. However, there is a definitive end to this game that I would encourage anyone playing to find. Uh, the joy of this game is more about uncovering how this society works. I would say that's probably the primary mystery. The second is actually who who killed the the demigods. And walking around and trying to figure out how this is all put together is just absolutely incredible. The vibes of this game are impeccable. Uh, this is what we said on the last episode mm-hmm. as well. It has a vaporwave aesthetic. It has one of the best soundtracks in gaming, a mi- mixture of acid jazz and and just like summertime pop it's it's just absolutely fantastic it's really well written it's fun it's bizarre uh this game is my everything i love it so much paradise killer please play this game <laughs> so good so good it's a very good pick i agree with everything you said 
I feel personally called out by that because you know I still haven't played it. I need to. Well, I know I need to. Well, it's on my list of things to do. It'll be an episode. It's, it's really high on the list, but so are so many other things. Is it number one? It's not, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Rebecca! I know, Rebecca, I know. This game is for you. Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. You need to keep me honest. You need to, like, we need to... Honestly, I so want to play this. We need to, like, put a thing in and, like, do an episode yeah, on it or something. Yeah. yeah. I want you to Google... Crimson Acid, look into that character's eyes I'm and say it. that you're not going to play Paradise Killer. Oh, yeah, that. actually, I don't think you've ever seen this. Look at Crimson Acid Paradise Just Killer. Google Crimson Acid. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think you, you did show me this last time. I know, I know. Tell, tell Crimson that Acid. goat lady no. Crimson you Acid, you're on, my, you're on my Steam Deck right now. It's like, <laughs> when I get a chance, it's happening, I promise. Oh, a chance after this podcast is finished recording, perhaps? Immediately, I want to go. I want to go onto my Steam account and see you playing it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I'm just distracted by the wiki now. I'm just like, hello. Oh, we've lost her. This is it now. Oh no! Yes, no good. Look at the, look at the law, Rebecca. Look at the wiki. Oh, there's so much to, I know. So much to get into. Look at those characters. So hot, Rebecca. I know. Oh, I'm just. This is breaking me. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, good. Everyone who's ever met me has told me that this game will be my favorite game ever, and like, they're probably right. And I really need to play it. <laughs> yeah. If not very good, if not a very good game, because well, I don't put too much emphasis. Because sometimes when you go in thinking this is going to be the best shit ever, and it's not, it's the worst. It I is. Mean, yeah. Sometimes not liking but... something. Uh, yeah. Can be hard, I mean, will love it. I'm sure I will. I'm absolutely sure I will. No pressure. Oh. <laughs> Please play. Please. <laughs> Please. Oh, okay, dear. enough of that. Rebecca, what's yeah. your... What is, are we, are we, don't want to go on about it too much. <laughs> no, you just broken me completely. Just like, oh. What was your first indie uh, venture vault contribution? Um... My first contribution, which probably won't come as much a surprise because I've mentioned it a lot already, is Monster Prom. actually hold for music i'm never sure um <laughs> oh yeah definitely let's hold for music yeah definitely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i was gonna say we haven't had enough bullshit on this episode but it's definitely coming out in the second half it's just it really is yeah the wave of bullshit in <laughs> like me i feel like it was a very because like we said let's do you know let's do like prestige picks for the first half so it was like mm. okay it was very serious but now we're yeah. into now we are literally back on our bullshit for this half so Anyway, yeah, Monster Prom. Um, Monster Prom is probably, I would say, one of the smaller games that we've seen in the vault so far. Um, mm. It kind mm. of, it, it's quite niche in a lot of ways. It flies under the radar for a lot of people. Um, but it has, you know, a, a very, it's like, uh, it's, I think it's six years old this year. Um, it's had two sequels now. Ooh. There's more on the way. So it is, obviously there's like enough interest. It's got quite a big fandom around it. It's, you know, it's popular within its sort of target audience. Um, it is a multiplayer visual novel dating sim 
about the misadventures of a group of monsters in high school. Basically, that's the that's the top mm. the top level um, that you need to know. It's very very funny. It's very well written and well observed. Um, it has so many different branches to it, different story branches that you know. It's all very short playthroughs, like one hour, two hour playthroughs. But you can play it for like eighty hours trying to see everything mm-hmm. um, quite easily. And that's like per game. And as I say, there's there's three games now and three more planned. So. That's a lot of lot of bang for your book. Um, but for me personally, Monster Prom was the first the first of a lot of things for me that I now really love. It was I think it was my first visual novel. Um, it was quite possibly not my first indie, but the first indie that I played being very conscious that it was an indie, if that mm. makes sense. So mm-hmm. it was really, I mean, it's like it seems a little pretentious to be like this game changed my life, but it kind of did because it introduced me to to so many different things that video games could be that I kind of not not really paid attention to before, and I just was drawn in by the hot, funny monsters, basically, and then this whole new <laughs> world of of possibility of like small, you know, small team self published indie games, which I'd never really paid attention to before, and. You know, things like, as I say, visual novels, which obviously I love now. And I just kind of, before I played it, I was like, I'm happy to have this whole area of games I just don't pay attention to because there's enough games. And that's Mm. still true because now I just have an overwhelming amount of visual novels and other video (laughs) games to play. But you know what? I'm very happy. I'm glad that I gave it all a go. Yeah, I mean... What else to say other than that? I'm trying, I'm desperately trying to convince you two to play this multiplayer with me at some point. So I'm just going to throw it yes. back because you have shamed Convinced. me so much about Paradise Killer. I'm going to throw it, it back at you guys. Yeah. It does need to Absolutely. happen. Because, yeah, I've actually, um, again, I was talking to a colleague about this day because we're doing a dating sim list at work. And obviously I was like, mm-hmm. Monster Prom's going on. And a colleague I'm working with had also recently played Monster Prom. But interestingly, they've mostly played it single player and I've mostly played it multiplayer with my partner. So like, I feel like those are very different experiences of it as well, which I've maybe never thought about too much because it is, I've played it single player once or twice. so it is fully accessible to people who don't have you know a group of friends to play with um Mm. which i never really think about much because it's one of the very few multiplayer games that i reliably want to play in multiplayer yeah yeah so it kind of from that point of view it's it's kind of a different experience for me yes it sounds great we do really need to play it It i think it is the only multiplayer game in the vault at the moment other than stardew now obviously but Oh yeah, true. Oh yeah, Stardew's multiplayer. I always yeah. forget about that. Me too. Yeah, I'm God. completely blank every time. But yeah, so uh, in terms of multiplayer games, we've not got that many options in the vault at the moment. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, true. <laughs> mm. We need a whole episode dedicated to it. We've said this. We definitely need to. We should. Yeah, we we should, should really. Yeah. We should do it. It would be so much fun. Um, and I will probably be unbearable because I obviously now have seen all of the lore and know all the ridiculous amount about it. Yes, I want to play it with you specifically, yeah, telling to tell us everything. Us yeah. I mean, I I really want to see you guys playing it not knowing what's going on. Um, that would be well, hilarious. Well, I've played it before. Yeah, I know you've played it like, um, but uh, to an extent. But many years right? ago. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, you don't I, revisit I don't it every few, every few months like I do. <laughs> every few, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> do I have a, yes, I have a plushie. I have a Monster Prom plushie over there. So it's already represented. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on on the merch vault shelf it is <laughs> although um this is only gonna actually i've been wanting to say this for ages and this is only gonna make sense to a very small number of people but every time i play Ooh. monster prom now the thought in my head is noodles plushy when listen to me beautiful glitch 
Noodles plushy when? <laughs> when? Anyway, that's my message. If only we had a mutual <laughs> storefront that could make that a reality. I know. Oh my God, we're going hard on fan game in this episode. I mean, to, too be, hard, to, too be, hard. to be transparent, um, Beautiful Glitch do have like a running partnership with um, Makeship. So I'm kind of oh, right, angling yeah, yeah, it towards yeah. Makeship oh. there. Um, but yeah, I would... I don't know. I would sell my soul. Is that too much to say for a noodles plushie? Because I love noodles. No. He's like my favorite character. Um, anyway, it's very reasonable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have Juan, and I love Juan. You got them all as plushies. The whole plushie collection. I mean, that's the danger. <laughs> the monster prom. That's the danger that I'm constantly in at the moment. Is I see a plushie and I want a plushie. <laughs> plushie video game plushies are good. They are so good. As someone like you who has many myself, yeah. they are a good investment, and they make they make your life so much more richer. Oh yeah, I just. Stuff that makes you happy to look at. That is that is what I want in my 30s. I'm like, I can't always commit. This is the thing. I can't always commit the time to a book or a film or a TV show or a video game, but I can just look at a plushie and be instantly happy. So, Yes, I agree. <laughs> almost, I didn't almost just whack myself in the <laughs> eyeball. Oh, it was no. so close. It was close. That's dangerous. Oh, oh no. Like Oh my god, it was so close. <laughs> anyway, okay, fantastic, uh, funny. That is yes, as a good pick. Um, very, very, very good pick. <laughs> yes. So my pick from last time, I don't remember which one I I talked about first, but one of mine from last time was Return of the Oberdin. Actually, it's got to be the track, though, isn't it? It's the be track. Of the deep. Um, it's something be from the deep. Goddamn bells. Soldiers so, from the deep. Soldiers from the deep. Yes, Liam. Yes, Liam. Oh, yes. I get bloody chills every time that track. Comes right, that's what I'm talking about with music. You sometimes you're just like, oh, oh. <clears throat> those bells. The last time you spoke about this, you changed my life, and I don't. <laughs> that's not hyperbole. You talking about this game has led to a series of events that have changed my life, ruined most video games for me. <laughs> Tell us about Oberdin. <laughs> yes, it's so it's such a good game. So this is another detective game. Uh, we love a good detective game here on Adventure. Oh, we do. Mm-hmm. You don't actually play as a detective in this detective game. You play as a, an insurance person, insurance adjuster, insurance adjuster. Is it? Yes, something. Uh, yeah, insurance person adjuster. Yeah. Who um, has been called? On account of the Oberdin, a merchant ship which disappeared many years ago, has now suddenly reappeared in the 1800s. It has uh, weirdly floated into shore. Everyone's kind of super scared about this ship that has just suddenly reappeared. But yes, you are an insurance person who's been called to basically explore this ship, work out what happened to the missing 60 plus 62 a crew members and occupants that were on the ship when it disappeared and did not reappear when the ship reappeared. 
uh, this game asks you to, yes, solve, essentially solve 62 mini mysteries uh, in what happened to each person, uh, how they met their end, even if they are dead, if they're not, where are they? What happened to them? And yeah, you do that 60 plus times and it's just really good detective game. Kind of the, the way that, the same way that Paradise Killer is very hands off with it, the way that you solve its mystery, Oberdin is the same. You're essentially given a bunch of tools, one being a pocket watch, which transports you to the moment of each character's death, demise, escape, whatever. Um, and through these kind of a, a short audio cue uh, in which you see nothing, but you hear what happens. And then a frozen vignette in time of a, of a moment. Uh, you explore this vignette and find out what happened to this person. Three questions be, being who are they and how did they meet their end? Those two are the most important ones. Oh, and by like, and if they did, how? Like if they, if they got murdered, how did they die? Um, if there was a weapon involved or just like questions around that. And so, yeah, this this kind of hands-off approach to detective um, solving just makes you feel so smart. I think a big question when Oberdin is brought up is, I don't think I'm going to be smart enough to solve this mystery. Uh, honestly, Return of the Oberdin is such an accessible game. For, even for those who aren't into video games, like I've suggested this to my dad. My dad also told his friend about it. I've told my mum to play it. Like, if you can click with a mouse and you know that like tab is opens like um a menu you're good to go babes like your granny could play this and she could probably run it on her potato like her her pc <laughs> potato because this game is a very striking one bit art style mm. uh, yeah you could basically play it on a tamagotchi if you wanted to like and yeah the, just the way that it deals with like like folklore and see like the whispers you hear like from sailors and just like it kind of goes in certain directions that you're not quite, not quite supernatural, but just, yeah, myths and mythology and like parts of the Caribbean shit. Like that's what, <laughs> so good. And it takes a couple of really interesting directions. Yeah, it's just a really good detective game and you feel super smart. It makes you feel like a detective, even though you're not one in this detective game. So yes, Return of the Overdone. <laughs> play it, play it. So it's good. It's a detective game. It's set on a boat. Is it the perfect indie venture game? Like it, it <laughs> just really is at the intersection of all of those interests that we we find ourselves coming back to on this podcast. And like, yes, this is the best game ever made. I firmly believe that. I don't think there's ever been a game as there's good. A strong argument to be made for it. I think for sure. I would put it up there with Hades as a contender. Definitely. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's yeah, so yeah. good. Nothing makes you feel like Oprah Din. And it's, I think one of the best things it does is it's a masterclass in framing. These little vignettes that you see, the way that it plonks you down, it takes, you said this the first time you spoke about it, is you'll see something and you, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. And then it suddenly clicks and you're like, what the fuck happened here? And the game, every every single answer is there. There is nothing that you have, you might have to do. Sometimes you feel like you have to make a leap. And then you might look into it online after you finished and you're like, oh, I, I didn't need to make a leap. It was in there the whole time. If you play this, I'm begging you, do not Google any solutions. You yeah. are smart enough to figure this game out without resorting to guides. If you're absolutely stuck, then I get it. But give yourself the chance to just think about it because you will find the solution and it's you'll be chasing that high <laughs> for the rest of your <laughs> so life. So good. This yeah. goddamn game, Lucas, Lucas Pope, 
You're a genius. Lucas Pope. <laughs> Good. Right? Like, oh. He really popped off with this fucking game. He, uh, My God. Pope popped off. Lucas popped off. It's good. No, it's good. We can workshop that. <laughs> you know what didn't need workshopping? This fucking game. This perfection of a video so game. Good. It's so good. Yeah, it's very good. God so, yeah. damn. In the vault. It In stays. the vault. In the vault it yep. stays. Securely. Good, yeah. That's a good point. It's like, we don't need to chuck it. It's already in there. I have, yeah, co-opted it is my choice too because it is just it, <laughs> oh my god and you your that episode i've said this so many times people listen to that and they went to play it that i know after listening to you talk about it and they've been like holy shit this game yeah absolutely <laughs> yes yeah if you want if you actually do want to know more about it like we just quickly brushed over it here but like yeah yeah i think i go i bang on about it a bit more eloquently but um yeah so it's a good game it's a very good. good game. I, I, game. I would, I'm inclined to agree with you that it's probably one of the best games I've ever made, but it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty up there. Like, so good. Game. It's so good. Okay, Liam, what was your other one? Move on. My, uh, like, no one wants to actually say anymore because you'll get into. <laughs> I know, it's just right? Like yeah. It's like, ooh. It's just, yeah, I wish I could. Nope. It's gone. The Jim Carrey film where he Eternal wipes his Sunshine brain. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. I want yes. to Eternal Sunshine my mind so I can play that game again. <laughs> Speaking of games, I want to Eternal Sunshine my mind so I can play again for the first time. My second pick was Hypnospace Outlaw. This is by Tender Shoot. It came out in 2019. In Hypnospace Outlaw, you play as a moderator on an alternate reality version of the web circa 1999. Once again, it's a bloody detective game. Because <laughs> like Rebecca said, we we have a type here on, oh, <laughs> on Indie Venture. So um, there's not... Would you argue there's not really a central mystery in this game, Rachel? So yeah. much as it's about investigating the world. Yeah. I think you're right there. Bang on the money. In this game, you play as a, a a moderator and you have given this fake UI for a desktop, very Windows 95 style desktop, and you can access the Hypnospace web browser and then go on to all of these different GeoCities inspired uh, websites that are made by people, by a community of people uh, who use Hypnospace, which is this sleep time computing service where you access it by wearing a headband. Uh, or there's a bunch of fictional brands that are sort of like fantastical, slightly surrealist versions of real life brands. Uh, instead of Pokemon, it's called Squishers, which are these like dribbly <laughs> garbage animals. <laughs> and yeah, the game is about just browsing the internet, uh, as weird as that might sound. You you click and the pages load in quite slowly. They play these very midi, crunchy tunes. There's lots of like smashed bitmaps of, you know, people and drawings and uh, and it's just a wonderful thing to just gently explore and flick through and discover 
And the, the way the game sort of unravels is that you begin to find hidden web pages and you, you find secret codes and you're able to access these hidden areas to find out information about the service and the people who make it. It is a story about people. It's another reason why it's a good indie venture game. It's about community. It's about how we find humanity in these spaces that we create, even if they're not physical. I, I've spoke about this game so much. I've got nothing else to say about it. I just, I love this game so much. Everyone knows how much I love this game. I think even the they developers really are bored of me. I think even the people who made this game are like, all right, can you like <laughs> find something else to play? I love yes. this game. It's incredible. Hypnospace Outlaw, it's got to be in the vault because it's been my permanent hyperfixation since it came out in 2019. Good video game. It is a, such a good video game. It's so good. What's the um, the guy who makes music? Jay Tholen. Oh, yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah. Yolly bought me the vinyl uh, for Christmas. <gasps> and oh, yes. Listening to that on vinyl is, is such a fun experience. These like MIDI synthesized tracks on this beautiful colored vinyl. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah, Hidden Space is so much fun. I, I always like, because there's been a couple of them now, like games where you explore, like we talked talk about Videoverse. I was just year. thinking, yeah, Videoverse yes. right? is Where you explore like this, like, these, like, I don't know, snip, moments of time, these snippets of, of uh, internet mm -hmm. culture. And Hidden Space just manages to, like, feel incredibly nostalgic, but also there's this like kind of low key commentary about the way that we police websites and the way that we mm -hmm. use certain images. And back then it was kind of like a wild west of like, do whatever you want. Um, if you want to put <laughs> aerial font, was it comic sans flaming <laughs> website <laughs> name on a lime green background that is absolutely oh. your artistic choice but yeah you, you essentially play as you're policing this space and i i've always i always like the way the story kind of handles that in terms of like yeah me too you you love this space and you want it to thrive but also you are part of a corporation who you're hired to police this this cool creative mm -hmm. space and the way it goes like and the different endings you can get and different like story parts is just yeah really cool such so good what yeah, a throwback um, it's an old timer it really is i can't wait for dream settler which <gasps> no idea when that's coming out uh, i they announced today actually that the hypnospace spin-off slayers x is getting additional content this year so Ooh. i assume the focus is still on slayers x for a little bit but hopefully dream settler this year next year maybe yeah the amount of work that goes into this game the amount of bespoke music imagery uh, you know, and the next game is set a little bit later on. It's set in 2003, I think. So, you know, there's there's an additional amount of um, time required to make era authentic content for that. So take your damn time, Jay. Like that'll come out when it comes out. You know, I'll be there day one. <laughs> when's the when's the Gooper spinoff happening? The Gooper spinoff? The, 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 the Gumshoe Gooper spinoff. That's what I want to know. Detective game! Gumshoe Gooper as the detective. That would be so good. Like a point and click <laughs> adventure. No, I, 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 don't, no, I was about to say. Like oh yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I forgot who I was talking to there. <laughs> you know what though? I was thinking about that. And I was like, do I really not point, like point and clicks? There are a few point and clicks I like, but yeah, generally. Because I was thinking, oh yeah, I'll get into one of the point and clicks I like later because it relates to the game oh, okay. I want to talk about. But yeah, let's go for Rebecca. Rebe oh, go okay. For Interesting. Yeah, Rebecca, go. Sure thing. Just sorry. Need, need a second? Okay, there we go. <laughs> 
Was that like a, was that a sneeze going to happen? It didn't. That, or what was that, that was that was like heartburn for a second, and Ooh. I was like, if I start oh. talking, am I going to make a just horrendous noise? But I'm okay. <laughs> Absolutely love three thirty-year-olds making a podcast. It's a very real worry. Is that yeah. at any point one of us well, could get a little fair, bit of heartburn? <laughs> I'm usually fine, but because I insist on sitting, like my favorite way to talk to people is with one knee hugged to my chest. And so I'm just oh, really, yeah. really playing with fire on this one, on the like pasta ready meal I had. For, <laughs> for squeezing your like, body in. Squeezed it like this. <laughs> followed, followed it with some Terry's chocolate orange from Christmas and then just came up here and sat like an You idiot. still have Christmas chocolate left? Oh, so much. Yeah. So I, was really, of January. I was really sick, remember I had COVID, so I couldn't oh, eat any of it. Oh, so yeah, I'm still working through the chocolate because I didn't eat any for ages. Oh, lucky. Yeah, so it's it's panned out now. Um, Mick's almost at the yeah. end of his. I've still got like a whole box of galaxy left. Anyway, anyway, oh. thank you for bearing with me while while my uh, my digestive system decided that it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, my second game, uh, my second game is Firewatch. Yeah, and you basically made us cry last time you talked about this yeah. game. So oh, let's see. Let's see if I can get repeat the tissues repeat. ready. I feel like I make someone cry every time I talk about this game. Um, so yeah, Firewatch is a sort of very low-key adventure game. It's sort of it's it's mainly a walking sim, but it's in the more interactive end of walking sims, I would say. And for the record, I really like the walking sim genre. I don't think that that's a negative to call it that. Mm. But nevertheless, it is a little bit more. There are a few more things to do. It's it's kind of an adventure game as well. You play as a man who, after um, his wife is diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, um, she's taken into care and he faced with the decision to sort of like go with her because I think she's from another country. So she has to go, she has to go back to um, Australia where she was born in there and he's American. Faced with the choice of, of going to sort of like stay with her, with her family who don't like him very much in Australia, he instead elects to take um, a summer job at. Um, is it Shoshone? I believe Shoshone National Shoshone. Forest. Oh. Yes, um, there right. we go. Yep. There we go. It shook loose in the end, and um, yeah, he's basically he's he's deferring a lot of decision making by like about twelve weeks or something by just like going into the, into the middle of the into the middle of the woods and kind of it's very much framed as he is running away from from this problem and this this thing that can't you know this this very sad thing that's happening in in his life to his wife and to their marriage that can't be stopped. It's nobody's fault. Uh, but he 
kind of can't cope with it, which you feel, I think, a great deal of sympathy for him in the circumstances that he's in, but it is still framed as like, this is maybe not the most selfless choice he could make. Mm. And I think that the, you know, the game does a really good job of interrogating that. He, um, he meets another, well, he never meets, that's a very crucial point. He develops a relationship with another um, Firewatch Tower operator um, who is his supervisor called Delilah. She works at the next tower over, so she's you know, a few miles away in, and they never really encounter each other physically, but they become friends and maybe more than friends when they're communicating via radios. Um, it's a very emotionally rich story with very good characters. And so it might come as a bit of a surprise that the reason that I consider it not only a great game, but one of my favourite games actually is more to do with the setting and the forest. That's the thing that mm. really, that really captures me every time I think about it is that it's just such a beautifully realized space for a game to take place in. It's, you know, you can traverse the space. It's almost open world. I think we had this discussion the other day, didn't we, Rachel, about whether, you know, yes. when we think when we think about open world indie games and the fact that there aren't many and we end up talking about mm. Firewatch because it is within its limitations, kind of an open world that you can explore more or less as you choose, which is pretty rare. Um, but it's just, it's a beautiful place. And I think, the fact that there's this glorious forest in like the height of summer, but also it it creates this backdrop to the emotional drama, and that I don't know that doesn't that doesn't really convey it as much as I want it to because it's just you're in this beautiful place, thinking these such difficult and unhappy thoughts, and the the balance of this game is just perfect because there are moments of like total beauty with this undercurrent of these mm. really difficult decisions that are being deferred but can't be put off. You know, there, there are these questions that Henry, the main character, is going to have to answer. And, you know, he's going to have to answer two people for why he made certain choices as well when he gets back. It's very much like a pause in real life, but only from his point of view, happening yeah. in just a, this gorgeous game space. And they very intelligently, in my opinion, they they added a post-launch, like a free DLC, which is just a free roam mode once you finish the story. Because yes. it's just a space. It is a space that you kind of wander around in, probably for similar reasons, although hopefully not always quite as intense. It's just a nice place mm. to kind of go and sightsee and think about stuff, I guess. And it's very clear throughout the story that all of the characters have a similar kind of reason for being there. It's, you know, it is a, a lonely an intense job to go and spend three months potentially never seeing another human being in the middle of this forest. Mm. And that all of these rangers, you know, have gone through some shit, basically, which is what led them to be there in the first place and what they're kind of dealing with as they are there. And yeah, it's just, it, it it's a perfect video game setting, in my opinion, for what it's trying to do and just to to demonstrate what you can do if you decide to make a map of a certain area. It feels huge. It feels like a forest. And I love forests as well. So it's kind of like a shallow reading. Mm. It's like, oh, I love forests. And I Pretty. love this forest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But also like you can go and stare at like an oak tree as the sun sets behind it and there's a lake in the background and you think about, you know, the fleeting nature of all life. And that's also mm. a really valid way to interact with this game, I think. And because it does, it does have like a mystery element to it, but I think that is best left um 
very lightly touched upon for anyone who's not played it because I I went into this game knowing nothing about the story. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the, the best way is to just not, just just go with it. See where it takes yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's a really good game. It's so like, I like what you said about like, it takes a certain t- type of person and, and between Henry and Delilah, you kind of learn mm-hmm. who these people are. Like this, this kind of like dr- dreamy idea about running away mm-hmm. from your reality to this like ideal situation, but reality is like always going to catch up with you. And Henry definitely feels like someone, like a character who is like trying to escape something, but it's three months and the inevitable is going to happen. And yeah, I really, it's a good, uh, good character study. It is. If there was ever like a, a game theory, game narrative course, set this as uh, one of the yeah. character oh, studies. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you never it, see Delilah, right? Like, it, it's never, how it's all communicated over audio. You don't really ever really see Henry. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you see him in photo yeah. at the end, right? I think that's the like that kind of feels like a reveal almost. It's not a spoiler to say, but you 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 have yeah. a camera in the game, um, and when he finds yeah. it, he sets it off, and like it it flashes in his eyes, and the screen goes weird for a minute. And at the very end of the game, you see that photo that's been developed, um, yes. and that's like the first time you see yourself, and you you as you say, you never really see anyone up until mm-hmm. the very yeah. end um, it's like a moment of like self-actualization for henry like he's gone through this ooh, journey yeah, yeah and exactly. it's like yeah, it's, it's like a moment yeah. that was captured at the beginning or near the beginning and then it's like developed yes at the end it's like a physical photograph so yeah good. i mean that's the thing about this game is you can unpick so many you know mm. very well made and well crafted artistic points like that but it's never navel gazy even with what it kind yes. of deals yeah, with it's very it's very grounded it feels very believable yes and not pretentious in any way i agree yeah i mean it's i think it's it's because it is essentially about people who are like trying to figure out how to be happy in the face of you know yeah. the inevitable unhappiness that every life will eventually bring and so mm. There is a lot of like avoiding thinking about problems, but there's also a lot of like, as, as we said, just appreciating that, you know, there is a lot of beauty in nature and that like human connections, even if they have to be temporary, can still be really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that it, it would be because like, I, I can sometimes find that games that are trying to do stuff like this do get a bit too introspective and a bit too down. And it's just like at the point where it's no longer enjoyable because you're like yeah i do i do kind of you know we all we all have some experience of this it doesn't need to be as grim as it gets the whole time um but because there is that little thread of mystery and just because there is you know there are genuine moments of just joy and silliness in it as well it yes. feels like a very rounded emotional experience mm-hmm. altogether and great music as well just i know we've been saying that a lot but genuinely oh one of my favorite video game soundtracks so good the piece of music that plays at the very beginning when you're it's got like, I think it uses the same engine that Inkle created for 80 days. Um, you've got like a multiple choice yes, section yeah. at the very beginning. There's a piece of music that plays over that bit that just like, it it gets me every single time. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's it's very, the first 10 minutes of Up and the first 10 minutes of Firewatch are the same, <laughs> same yes, thing. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. What a comparison. That's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish i could I, say my game was happier but it ain't happy i was gonna keep going till i made someone cry and it worked so yeah let's move on let's go yep rachel what <laughs> is your 
final pick? So my final pick is like an, a heart one. I, yeah, it's it's Kentucky Route Zero, which, yeah, a moment of silence before I <laughs> <laughs> talk about this fucking game again. This world is not my home. I'm just passing treasures and my hopes are placed beyond the blue many friends and kin have gone on before and i can feel at home in this world any Kentucky Route Zero is probably one that, it, for me, is more heart than head. A lot of people didn't get on with it, which is totally valid. This game is poetic, bit navel-gazy. Uh, I think people would argue it could be very navel-gazy, but I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, it's a it's a surrealist adventure that follows the journey or road trip of a delivery man called Conway, whose last job before he retires is to find a <laughs> deliver a package to a place called the zero which is the only way you can get to that is through an underground highway like ethereal underground highway underground underneath kentucky um which is what the fuck uh but ultimately is um just kind of like that's like the this game is separated into chapters that's the aim of the first chapter and i guess by the end it, it, it's still the same goal of conway but the main story of this game is not necessarily about finding the zero but meeting the characters along the way and these the stories that you pick up from them these wanderers these hitchhikers these people who for some reason or another have been cast out onto the highways of kentucky uh, they don't have a home or might be running away from something and Conway kind of picks them up and you have like a small group of folks as they travel through different places in uh, in Kentucky and ultimately the story is quite surreal there are moments dealing with the supernatural or there are moments dealing with just like some really batshit stuff which is not as like airy fairy as I think some people maybe assume. It's it's very grounded in the way it uses magical realism. It's interesting because Eternal Sunshine of, Spotlight's mind, of the Spotless Mind is very magical realist. But again, mm. in like mm. that film, it uses it uses that to kind of tell a story that's very grounded through like poetic imagery or mm-hmm. a bit artfully or a bit in like a bit playfully. But yeah, this this game is about so much wrong with America and other countries like debt, homelessness, alcoholism, um, and payable loans, uh, people who have been forced into financial situations that ultimately have forced them into certain situations economically. And it's just a really damning portrait of America Um but told through this anthology of voices of like different people and their experiences. It's like a collection of stories that make a really detailed portrait of this one location. 
And yeah, it's it's the story of these small small town folk, uh, plumbers and I don't know barmen, like just people that you wouldn't normally like, a, like a video game story would focus on. Like these these voices are highlighted, and it's very you know the, the genre is southern gothic. This is a very southern gothic kind of game. Yeah, it's just the it's it's like exploring the road less traveled physically because they're trying to find this road, but also metaphorically because these people are like outcasts or rejects or don't fit into society one way or another. And they've just, just been rejected by it, straight up rejected by it. And yeah, I love games which deal with like these kind of communities. The point and click game I was going to mention was Norco, which I fucking love Norco. Oh. And that's a point and click game. And when I saw that, I was like, I do like a point and click game. You do, you're right. <laughs> I love Norco. Norco is another one which is similar to Kentucky Route Zero in which, but it kind of deals with like, um, like Louisiana and the swamps of Louisiana and exploring that place, like the same way that Kentucky Route Zero explores Kentucky. And so, yeah, and Norco explores Louisiana. And so, yeah, another mm. Southern Gothic uh, game, which is really good. And yeah, I, it's just people's points of it are valid. It's very slow but I would describe it as purposeful storytelling. It's poetic, but I don't think it goes, I think it's just the right amount. It doesn't get too up its own ass. Um, so yeah, I just, it's quite personal to me. I love it. It took them, God, eight years to get this fucking game out. Probably less. Was it five? No, um, I, think six. It was I think it was eight. Was it I six? 2014 to 2020, I think. God damn. Wow. I should know. Okay. Yeah. I, I've played, I'm still in the process of finishing this game, but I've played half of it to write a retrospective on it last year for RPS. Yes. So I believe it's 2014. Potentially 2013. Yeah. Might be 2013. Um, it's enough that when I first played it, six I seven was years. in uni. And then the last chapter came out when I was like a full-on games journalist. Like this game at some point was following my journey. Like oh, wow. okay. from writing about yeah. games critically. And so I just have that really like personal connection with it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. if you're into these kind of games, uh, you don't mind being a bit patient uh, with certain storytelling <laughs> uh, approaches. Then Kentucky Route Zero is just a magical game uh, mm. that is also yeah quite quite serious in its topic, but also there's hopeful moments. It's not all just like a misery fest. But yeah, oh, I love definitely. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to play this. As you say, it's a great game. I need to finish it. Like it's see, you asked what's at the top of my list and definitely very near the top of my list is finishing Kentucky Route Zero because I've been feeling drawn back to it in the last few weeks. I've been like, I want to It has that effect on you. It really does. I mean, it's like, it feels justified that I took a long break, not only because you're always Mm. justified in taking a long break from games if life is happening a lot, but also because, because of the way it was released, it's like, it doesn't feel like it harms your experience to take quite a long Oh, yes. absolutely <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be enjoyed yeah. episodically over six years i guess is the, the real <laughs> yeah, way to play totally zero. girl when um, this when a chapter is released for this game they will just release it like it was just oh, something like no that, fanfare like, well I'm, i guess they would release like mini games or like these weird kind of oh this will be in the next chapter like a game where you're like, there's a rotary phone and you're like calling people oh, up on it. Oh gosh, yeah, that's, I, yeah. And it's like, okay, what the fuck is the, this? And the chapter would come out and it would make sense. They're like <laughs> intermission oh, right, interesting. I think it's also, yeah, yeah. just one thing that I really like about this game as well is, is I think one of the best uses of like a stage play in a video game. 
Like, do not even just yeah. all those sections are just so. And like you say, it's it's got a real feeling of like I know that I know that we've discussed before about like the ideas of like Lynchian storytelling being overused in games, but come on, I think this one specifically like yeah. Twin Peaks: The Return, how you have to look at it all as this you know one. It's all just disconnected little things going on, but if you kind of pull back enough to look at it, and you kind of operate on vibes and suddenly understand what the story is, yeah, it's like very much yeah. Oh my god, it's really like I say, it's like the time to reflect on this is huge. As I say, I've probably not touched it in six months at least, but I'm just like, no way, I need to go back. I need to like take what yeah. I've understood over time from this game and go back into it and be like, it is about late stage capitalist rage. I understand now. <laughs> like, mm. I understand now. Because, yeah, mm. I don't want to give any stories, but I don't want to say anything that would spoil the story. But I feel like I've seen a couple of characters in it now hit the point of total hopelessness. But the reason it's not, in my opinion, a massively naval gazy game is because as they hit that point, you start to rage on their behalf. And that is like, that is how the critique is working. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like this rage is not violent outbursts it's so quiet and mm. it's just like what do you do you're you're in this system that essentially ultimately is there to exploit you and what happens when you reach a certain point where you just there's nothing you can do there's such a helplessness but also mm. on the flip side of that a hopeful like these characters coming together like they find each other yes um throughout these circ like like regardless of these circumstances like these souls these lost souls like find each other with Conway being like a ferryman of sorts like it's just yeah it's a good game game. absolutely and uh yeah that performance (laughs) is probably one of the best uses of video game music to Mm. put a full two minute song in a game and so the player has to like pay attention for two minutes it's fucking rogue Toy Story 2 did it (laughs) and it was great and I appreciate they do it in Kentucky Route Zero. They make you sit your ass down for two minutes and listen to this beautiful song and appreciate it. But you're it writing the song as it happens. But I, I was actually thinking yes. of a different... There's two points because there's this play happening as well. There is a point oh, where you're play. in a play. And there's... Yes. I, they're both yes, really the good scenes, in fact. But the, you're writing the song as it goes along. Oh my God. There's just so many... This is the thing. There's so many wonderful like moments in this game. And then mm. they all come together and you're like... It doesn't make sense on a literal textual level. You kind of got to engage with it mm. on a level of like, you know, as I say, vibes, Lynchian vibes. What else can I say? It's very, it's a very vibey game. Super vibey game. Sad vibes. Very indie venture covered. <laughs> Not covered. Indie venture corded. Wow, that was a bit of a. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, this would not have been a good game to play in COVID. Like, this is a... It has some very sad... <laughs> the final episode launched in January 2020, I think, and I do worry about the people oh, who were like, oh, it's finally finished. Oh. I'm like, go and, go and play Kentucky yeah. Route Zero. It's like, oh, <laughs> you okay, guys? Damn. Right. Into the vault it goes. Boof. <laughs> <laughs> I, kick, I kicked it in. <laughs> Hoy it in. <laughs> I, I threw it up in the air and I, I... I With my butt, I... How do you describe the action? Hit... But butted it in. Yeah, butted. I butted. The, I mean the the incredible this very respectful game that I've just <laughs> described. I'm saying. like, like <laughs> just an incredible way of describing how beautiful this game is and how much it means to you. And then whoop, just whack it in with me bum. That's what we're gonna do to <laughs> Kentucky Route Zero. Uh, that's our brand. 
Yep, that really, really is. Oh. <laughs> yes, well, this collection of nine games now. Ten. Wow. Ten. Dredge as well. Ten. Which oh, is ten. a yes. really pleasing yes. number, can I just say. That is such a that nice is good. To have. That I'm is very, very happy good. that I realised it. They look fun. great. Sparkling. So, sparkling so nice. emoji. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> right, gang. Good job. What's next? Hyperfixations? You know it. Do we need to acknowledge that there's probably not going to be any music in this episode when it first comes out? Or do we just accept it? I kind of vote for rolling it? with it, just because I think it yeah. will make... I mean, I'm yes. the one who's not editing it, and I feel like it makes you guys' lives easier to kind of just have, you know, the ability oh, yeah, to slot we won't, it in. We won't put any themes in. I just wonder whether we need to, like... Because surely the listeners will be like, huh, what happened to the stings? You could, could put like a noise in, like a quack, just to separate. <laughs> that was the noise I was going to put in. Yes! Oh just my like God. A, a title goose, like quack. Quack. <laughs> Done. And um, then we just replace it with the stings when we get them. Yeah. Like, cool. All right. So, that's, that that's, works that's, so for people who have already started listening, that is what the quack has been about up to this point. It's the fact we've decided that right now. If I don't worry being... about where the music's gone. <laughs> just don't think about it too hard. Yeah. And just, it'll be fine. Just don't worry about it. We're working don't worry on about it. it. It's We're all, working on it. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. In hand. <laughs> so happy we addressed that. Yeah. So happy we addressed that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's first with the hyperfixation? Uh, Rachel, why don't you go choice. first? Yeah. I could go first. I don't have a very good one because mine is still the traitors. Like it's still, it's very ongoing. Nice. So Amazing. I guess that could be mine, but ultimately I talked about it last time. But I just, I just, it's really, it's taken up a lot of my time. <laughs> I watched the. I guess it is now. Okay, look, I'm okay. I'm. It's it. It is. I want to hear my about it. Yeah. Is still the traitors. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention the pan of chocolates from from Aldi, but um. Uh, it's that's also well it's veganuary so they released a bunch of vegan shit Ooh. and like the the pan au chocolates are very good. good and i've not had one in years and i was like oh this is tasty well, that's anyway, a good thing to mention yeah. it was gonna be yeah, that sure <laughs> but it's not anymore it's the traitors it's traitors chat the traitors are still very good i talked about it last time we had a tv show i watch it's it's on wednesday thursday friday i'm part of three whatsapp chats now it's gone up now <laughs> From That's two increased. To three. Yeah, it was two three before. Yeah, three different chats. I watch, I listen to a podcast about it or clips of a podcast about it. There's also, they have a second show that's also on the, the BBC, which is like extra bits from it. And it's the people who've been eliminated. I don't think I need to explain it again, but it's just like people who've been eliminated, they react to who the traitors are and it's delicious. And I'm like, this is so <sighs> good. It's such good content. Ooh, I, watch, I watch people who are on season one on TikTok reacting to the episodes. So I've watched Amazing. that. Love that. I do. I just... I can't get enough. It's so good. And it's like, I'm in deep. Like oh. I was pretty, in, I was in deep with Love Island. Like the trace is a whole nother level. Like this I'm is... like, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm, I'm tuned in. Shivers. The Discolism shivers, but like with traitors, I'm like, I'm like yes. feeling the energy. This is, this is like actual hyperfixation. This is when like, you know, sometimes yeah. you'll bring yeah, something up. I'm quite I... into this at the moment. And then like, you'll be like, no, yeah. this is, this is it. This is real. So, sometimes yeah. we just recommend things and call it hyperfixations sometimes it's real hyperfixation yeah. Yeah. and this is an example of that yes. I love this don't get me wrong the pan of chocolates from Aldi are pretty good but this <laughs> and I haven't invaded you quite like the traitor season 2 are you enjoying I mean... it? Is it is it as good or better than season 1? 
so far? Maybe hard to say when you haven't seen the whole thing yet, but... It's a really good question. It's one that I've, I've pondered quite frequently, and I had had many conversations about it. I don't okay. think it's as good. Interesting. I don't think it's as good, but it's still pretty good. Because they all... No, no, but no, because <laughs> the round tables are better this season, because in the first season... Oh, how much do I want to get into? Do we have... I won't get into it. It's too much. It's too much. The, the first season is better, but the second season is still really good. That there's still moments, but they've all seen the first season, so they're trying to avoid certain things. But by avoiding them, it makes it better. Like oh, right, because so, they're more invested in the game because they understand how it functions more than yes. they did in season one. A big problem in the first season was like they all went for the same person. It's like a bit boring. But the round tables this time are like they're all going for different people because they don't want to be sheep. They're like I'm an individual. I have my own. I have I have my, I have my own That's suspicions. Okay. So the first like the episode three there was like a three way tie. Oh, wow, it was okay. just like everyone was voting for. It was so good. It's so. Oh my god. Yeah, it's good. It's good TV. I'm really into it. Good. I love how much you love the creators. It's, it's it, great. It, it's it so good. Great to behold. Oh, who's next? I can't talk uh, about it anymore. Shall I? Shall I go? Shall I go? Yes. I feel like this. This works. Yeah, go on. This works. Speaking of just bringing back a previous hyperfixation from a couple of weeks ago, but much more intensely. Than at the mm. time. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna try and find something else to sort of pretend that I was into, but I feel like Rachel has given me full permission to do the thing I was gonna do anyway, and just be like, absolutely, it's still, it's still bloody Apollo Justice Ace Attorney, isn't it? Obviously, like, what? like Rachel and I haven't spent two hours today already talking about. Oh, this. yes, because you just played such a good case. Like oh, that God, case yes. is so good. <laughs> Oh, I just played case three. So we're still, um, at the time recording pre-release, but I still have my review copy. Um, yeah. So trying to get, trying to get the first game at least uh, played in time for Embargo next week. Um, obviously I'm like, it's a hundred hours long and I'm just doing this for love of the franchise. So I'm doing it all on my own time. Not going to play the entire trilogy for release, but aiming to get the first game done. And I like, Rachel knows this already, but yeah, it's <laughs> when I talked about it just before Christmas, I was like, oh yeah, I just started playing it. I'm enjoying it. And like, I sort of, I'm like going down the layers of hyperfixation with this, which is exactly what we all knew would happen. But it went Absolutely. from like, I've got it and I'm enjoying it. So, oh, this is going to like, no, now I'm like fully invested. Rachel knows because like basically what my life is at the moment is ev like, it's a full time job to spend five hours a day playing Ace Attorney and then two hours talking to Rachel about it. Like that is <laughs> all caps, <laughs> all sparkle emojis, <laughs> screaming yeah. constantly yeah. at each other yeah. about this fucking yeah. game. <laughs> Our DMs right now are, Jesus. I don't know, they're like, they belong in the Library of Congress because we are, we are going so, like, we're analyzing all of the characters, we're just having such a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank you, Incredible. by the way, Rachel, because that really does, like, heighten the experience at every stage, is, like, having a, a thought and, like, immediately sending it to you, like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes! Geez, so much. It's good. Yeah, no. It's I'm good though, right? These it's cases, good. these cases, I'm telling right. you, case they're three. really good. Case you know three, Apollo oh Justice. God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whoever said that the third case in an Ace Attorney game is always a bit of a dud, what are you talking about? That was yeah. amazing. And whoever <laughs> says that the first case of an Apollo, Apollo, um, Apollo Justice, of an Ace Attorney game is always tutorial fodder, absolutely not in this case. The first right. case in this game is just like batshit. It's bonkers so good the first case in this game goes in and is like so you've played the original trilogy yeah anyway we're not going to give you any context for that so i hope you keep it up kid because like just 
because we've changed yeah. it all it's seven years later loads of stuff's happened we're not really gonna tell you what but also you do yeah. need to know everything that happened in those three games up to this point yeah. it's just like i think that's kind of why case three i really enjoyed because it does just focus on the new characters yeah it keeps, absolutely it, like phoenix is barely in it and i like phoenix not sort of my favorite character in the whole franchise but i do like him i wasn't expecting to be quite so happy for him to just like get right out the way yeah and let let the other characters just like be the new character but yeah i love the new mm-hmm. cast i didn't expect to love the new cast as much as yeah, i do okay. um <laughs> send rachel a lot of messages to that effect <laughs> we we the best thing that i like out of conversations is the kennedy that clavia has yes and they're like us agreed. talking oh. about it because i keep sending rebecca like ryan gosling as ken in comparison with <laughs> and it's so true it's so it's true, so true. It's, so true. it's so true it's so true so we just like rating his kennedy throughout case three that was a fun part of today incredible uh we should stop now because this probably makes zero sense even to people who know this quite well so goodness knows what it's gonna be I, like. I mean as a bystander that doesn't have a single fucking clue what either you're talking about <laughs> i'm enjoying just just it, seeing how excited you're both getting about this game i'm glad it's, i'm glad it's a thing it's so good. i'm just happy that it exists and will be out by the time you're listening to this so yeah yes. check that out it's a very I will, good time I will count the last couple of minutes there is a very enthusiastic seal of approval for this uh remastered collection oh yes. yeah yes. <laughs> it's good it's a good time i spent most of the weekend playing it because i was gonna go out and do adult stuff but then i was kind of ill so there's so much I want to talk to you about as well. There's, there's like so much. Like, isn't the mechanic with the bracelet so good? But isn't it like so good? It's so good. It's so weird. It's so it's weird. It's very odd. There's, there's zero context for it. Like it's literally just like, what the fuck is happening? Okay, we just accept it. Oh, yeah. Just... He's like, yeah. Oh, my bracelet helps me see people's like, in my, like, it's like how? And he's spirits like, and psychics? That. No, girl. Hold yeah. my beer. This yeah. is what we're going on now. Magic like... bracelets that is just normal, I guess. Yeah. No. <laughs> so what is bracelet let him... So, cases. so it's weird right so the idea is that he's like super perceptive but i yes. don't know he kind of lacks confidence to acknowledge it somehow yeah. the bracelet tells him because basically what you need is a mechanic that can flash on screen easily and tell you this is the point at which you interact with yeah this mechanic um yeah the point so is it's kind of like it's very your- weird. <laughs> It's like they wanted a new kind of fresh way of dealing with people who lie on the witness stand in ter- instead yeah. of it just being like contradictions. So the idea is your bracelet or Paula's bracelet will like start to vibrate. And then you go into a mode where you zoom in on a character's profile and try and spot gi- behavioral giveaways that would suggest that they're lying, whether that be oh, like right, an eye okay. twitch or someone licking yeah. their lips or something. And it's just an interesting way instead of it being like, right, I need to work out what evidence goes where. And it's just cool. And But it's kind of awkward. He's like, I saw you behave this way, so you're lying. And the person's like, oh no, <laughs> I gave it away. But like, oh, it's just... Oh, I do love that in fun. story like that. though. In story, everyone's like, it looks, it, it's really weird when he does that. Like, why does he very off-puttingly go completely silent and kind of cross-eyed yeah. and, and come out sense. with like, like yeah. two minutes later emerge like, and I know exactly what what point. I know when you were lying. I don't know what you were yeah. lying about, but I know when you were lying. They're all like, that's but this dude's Phoenix <laughs> does that too, right? Like in the first game, he'll have like a four minute conversation in his own head. And I like to think <laughs> yes. that everyone in the oh, courtroom's yeah. like, Mr. Wright, are you okay? What's yeah. going on? Hello. Just staring at Edgeworth. Or like rubbing oh. his chin. 
Oh, like <laughs> that's like a really common uh, trope for like fan comics in Ace Attorney and Danganronpa as well. There's loads of fan comics where it's just the main character like staring really blankly <laughs> and disconcertingly for a really long time. Internal monologues. That's yeah, it's so like, funny. what are you thinking about? And then it's just like the, the game in Danganronpa 2 where you're doing like the surfing game or whatever, the, the skateboard <laughs> mini game in your head to try and like oh, work something God. out. Yeah, like, fucking Russian roulette. What is the one? There's a shooting one. Yeah, there's loads of just weird, but like the idea that there's just in all of these franchises, increasingly weird mechanics to like keep oh, you entertained yeah. while you're trying to find the lie and just... But also, you're meant to be like standing in this courtroom while this murder trial is happening. Yeah. Just like spacing out like what is he thinking about at this moment and it's definitely like you know hangman neon like <laughs> <laughs> neon 3d like- shooters and all of these things happening. oh yeah so that's bizarre so funny so funny <laughs> oh god so, yeah, that's i'm me really glad again. you're enjoying it probably next Good. time as well to be fair i predict you'll bring this game up four more times this year as uh, that's probably like as the whole trilogy probably i think that's a fair yeah, yeah. well when yeah. the trilogy comes out i'll bring it up for one of mine so that's yeah. a guarantee <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> just more excuses incredible to talk about. oh yeah are you getting you getting the physical copy getting a physical oh we need to talk about this babes i'm in oh. two minds but anyway <laughs> all right i'll help i'll help later we <laughs> just you. back Liam, to the dms please. once we're done <laughs> liam please make us move on yeah i do want to hear yours I will be quick. It's sort of a recurring hyperfixation, I guess. I've Ooh. read a book and I'm going to talk about the book. Um, Ooh, but unfortunately, okay. it's a book about video games. Uh, so Ooh. I've just finished reading Masters of Doom by David Kushner, which huh. is a, a book that came out 20 years ago. I was quite surprised by. Um, this is one of these books that you see a lot even now that's recommended as one of the best books about video games that you can buy. So this charts the rise of id Software, particularly focusing on the two Johns, Carmack and Romero, who started id Software, who worked together on Commander Keen and Wolfenstein and Doom and Quake, obviously. And it's one of the more entertaining game books I've read. It it feels very dramatised, but there's a lot of references in the back of this book, which makes me think that... uh, Kushner, who wrote it, really did his research before writing this. But the fact he's been able to create this non-fiction book about a real thing that happened, but it feels very dramatic. The pacing is very good. It doesn't. It's not an oral history. It's mm. not a lot of interviews. It, it's you know, it's written in a fictional way almost. Um, it's a really, really interesting read. There's a lot that happened between the two Johns and the people who worked at it software back in the day that I didn't know about. Um. I, I don't necessarily think it paints either of them in a good light, which I appreciate. Really? Mm. Interesting. You know, these are two people who had very big egos. It talks a lot about how they would smash things in the office all the time and, and how Doom was created under these very, you know, stressful and, and intense circumstances. But as a character study of these two people that were at the opposite ends of the creative spectrum you know Carmack was a programming genius Romero was a design genius it's fascinating and it's almost sad that it ends around the time Doom 3 enters development because that game came out a year after this book was released but it's really good and it made me think about how I haven't read many books like this about video games I feel like I've mm. read I've, I've read Jason Schreier's uh, books about game development which also features a very good bit about Stardew Valley in there very much recommend that book um blood sweat and pixels i think that book's mm. called the first one mm. um and i've just bought the uh, sid meyer the 
guy responsible for civilization wrote a memoir last year or maybe in 2020 which i've i've bought after reading this um but i wish there were more books i almost wish there were more like books about the people who make indie games and you know we're talking about the documentary mm. about hades like i feel like a lot of stuff about games is on youtube or it's like yeah you know absolutely i'd love like a long read and i guess like a lot of journalists like games media sites don't really accommodate for long reads like this anymore feels like it's kind mm-hmm. of like a dying art yeah good book if you have any video game book recommendations listeners please send them through contact at indieventurepodcast.co.uk but yeah a good book not a sad book but the year is young <laughs> let's see what i read Plenty this of, uh, yeah books to come to come for your sad book club collection absolutely i'm sure there'll be a few uh yeah looking i've already got a small pile by my bed i'm ready to dive into so hopefully some of them will become hyperfixations over the year but yeah good book cool awesome good recommendation there are shockingly few books about game development or about just the games industry at all really yeah yeah Yeah. it's the lack of documentation around the the growth and development of this industry, which is now absolutely massive, is is quite shocking when you think about it. It's all so focused on the 80s and 90s as well. Like, I feel mm. like I've read so many things about the rise of Atari and, yeah. you know, early Nintendo and Sega. And I would love to read things about, like, I don't know, Sony during the PlayStation 3 era or indie developers or, you know, there's so many stories out there that would make for great reading. And it's a shame that maybe they're out there and I just don't know. So if I am mm. ignorant, like I say, get in touch because I would like to read them. I was going to say, what? which one am I thinking of? I've definitely, I read one where someone went around the US and ch- a journalist, I think, and chatted to loads of like queer indie devs. Oh, that sounds good. It's that more like good. a travel log though. What was mm. that? Who was that? I have I like the book somewhere. Of that, yes. Yeah. That is really good. God damn, I can't remember it. If I do, if we I'll remember, we'll... it here. <laughs> We'll put it, yeah, edit it in. Oh, we'll put it in the show notes, definitely. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. God damn. No, I can't. I can't remember it. Anyway, that's a, yes, all great. Uh, well done. We did, we did an it. Indie, indie Venture Vault episode. More of which to come. Uh, I do like our vault. I lo- Me too. <laughs> do like this meta- metaphysical place which we've created. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, it's, definitely. It's just, it feels great. I want a sticker of the i i want like a sticker sheet of all our cute memes and i want one of the the indie venture vault oh yeah that'd be great be amazing (laughs) but yes that is the end of the episode um thank you so much for listening we'll put the cute outro here but yes uh see you next time folks goodbye bye 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 Bye. i was like do you have anything else to say Uh, no Uh, bye all good. <laughs> Any other but business? Then, no. All right. Good evening, like, everybody. I was like thinking and talking in real time. I was like, everyone, good. <laughs> As I float off into the into the stratosphere. <laughs> Indie Venture is a podcast created, hosted, edited, and produced by Rebecca Jones, Rachel Watts, and me. Liam Richardson. For more information, search Indie Venture Podcast on your social media platform of choice. You can get in touch by sending your questions, comments, and feedback to contact at 
indieventurepodcast.co.uk. You can support the show by rating us five stars and leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast provider, or let your friends know all about the good times you had with the Indie Venture Podcast. Some of the games we talk about on the show may have been provided to us for free for review consideration. If you are a developer, a publisher, or a PR looking to get in touch, drop us an email at hello at indieventurepodcast.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening and see you again in two weeks for another episode of Indie Venture, a video games podcast. Bye for now.